Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 6, Episode 10, entitled The Next World. Entitled The Best Episode of The Walking Dead Ever. Rashon Shippers around the world have lost their goddamn minds. Half of it ended up in my email box, <laughs> which I'm fine with because I was happy to see it as well. It's been a long time coming. Uh... I think, was anybody, like, genuinely surprised by this happening eventually, or was it more just, like, it kind of snuck up on us? I don't even know if it snuck up on us, because we had some spoilers pointing to this happening, but... If you didn't have those. On the naked page, uh, Mm -hmm. har har, it it read pretty abrupt, but honestly, I thought... You know, just that domestic scene we opened with, with uh, the shown uh-huh. in a robe, and she's kind of like talking with Carl, like she's kind of already in a stepmom role, and yeah. and it's funny because like Rick. In Michonne, I felt like it'd be supernatural if she kissed him goodbye, but instead they do like the low five. <laughs> low five, yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, they're still in roommate mode, but you could tell. And like the. I, I gotta say, this episode might be one of the best written, best directed episodes that we've seen in years. Um, sure. Because there's just a lot of subtle things throughout, like, you know, uh, Michonne meditating on Deanna, saying, you gotta decide what you want for your life, and I'm trying to figure that out, or I'm working up the... I forget exactly what she... I, I wrote it down in my notes, Yeah, but... she's just figuring it out. And, and it plays in with some other storylines that are going on here. Right. Um, but no, I thought, I, I, I thought it was pretty amazing. And, um, yeah, I mean, so Carrie Scoglund is the director and I thought she did a beautiful job with some of the cinematography from what I hear first time director for the walking dead. I think for the one she did do fear the walking dead, but I think that might be this upcoming season. Um, but she's done, uh, work for boardwalk empire Vikings, uh, Hmm. under the dome, I'm just going okay. through and looking see stuff. She did a, um, a an episode of Banshee. It looks like. Oh wow! So has Ryan Johnson ever done an episode of Banshee? I feel like he'd be perfect. I don't. For you it. know what? Because I've only been fan watching. <laughs> so okay. I, I yeah, wouldn't yeah. know, but I, that would be that'd be interesting. I'm sure Michelle McLaren's had to have done a few. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe that's just the B team directors. They let people uh, go crazy on. But no, I I thought this was a really. I mean, it's not without its problems. Because Absolutely, it is The Walking Dead, and they're to a certain extent kind of pigeonholed into the mistakes of the past but i mean and also just the the relationship of rick and michonne has been something that's carefully been built for like three fucking years right and it's something we've talked about as being one of the better parts of walking dead yeah and not just the relation because it's also if like if it's just a relationship between him and her and rick rather uh it would be one thing but they've also built this relationship with her and carl that yeah. these people gen- this is a family uh it in in fact, if not in name, and that they're taking even a, a closer step to this in this this episode. I mm-hmm. like I said, I was blown away. I, you know, setting setting the the Rashon stuff aside, I just thought like the buddy pairing of you know Rick and Daryl. Great, Daryl's been an underserved character moments, for a while, yeah. and they they had some snappy dialogue that kind of set things up for the middle and the end of the episode. Um, it's just you know clever. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I there there are a couple of Benny Hill wub wub moments, but I kind of I kind of dug that too. And really, they, I, I feel like that. I feel that, like that, it got silly in the middle for me a little bit. But uh, yes, but I feel like they recognized that, and uh-huh. they with the musical cues and just <laughs> they the did, kind of manic yeah. action, they just decided to lean into it rather yeah. than say go to Mercury. I don't know if Barry Mercury is still 
writing music on there, but instead of being like, you know, go uber serious, it's almost like... I mean, that's that's the John Carpenter version of Benny Hill, right? Sure, like That yeah, music yeah. is just like... Yeah. That's we're the gonna Walking have... Dead synth version of Benny Hill, yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's... So they clearly knew what they were doing. It, But I don't, like, sometimes this show doesn't realize what kind of tone it's taking. Yeah. Other times it does. I feel like there's a lot of schizophrenia within no. this show, just kind of... And honestly, I was air, relieved. Most to, of it is. Really I was good. relieved to find out I could unironically enjoy an episode of The Walking Dead this far into it because yeah, I yeah. started to wonder. You know, I I I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Tom and Kelly over on uh, Downton Abbey, the podcast on Bald Move. But sometimes I'm just such a huge Downton Abbey fan that, and they're so clearly kind of like because they're into it and they watch it multiple times, they like nitpick and hate shit that I'm like, I oh, know I'm I'm still loving it. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, man, I hope when they really knock one out of the park, I can give it to him. And I think I think we're going to give it to him. I think so. Uh, do you, why don't we get into the recap? Before yeah. I do, I want to talk some meta stuff. Oh. Uh, Hardwick's listening to <laughs> The Watching Dead, no? Someone on the Talking Dead staff is listening. <laughs> like, I know that was like two and a half months ago that we did the thing with the thing where we said, this. what's this, what's a spoiler warning, this is so stupid. But, right. like, that was only really, like, three episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, self-consciously, I know. And, and I'm like, what? D- didn't we start that conversation? Yeah, I, I don't know if we started it, but we've certainly mentioned it. And I, I feel like certainly they're listening to the community, right? Yeah. And as much as we are part of the community, I don't I don't want to give us credit for this. I think it's silly to say, oh, Chris Hardwick is watching our I mean, there's show. some people that are giving us, like, Let's credit for Rashon and shit. Like, no, that's, no, 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 that's, no. I mean, I think we definitely were one of the first saying, hey, are we not cra- are we crazy? Is there a super huge chemistry between Andrew Lincoln right. and... I, I Way mean, back but, at clear. I mean, it was... It but was everyone saw fair. that. It's like, it's right yes. on the screen. Yeah. Like, they really... And, and, and her chemistry with... Uh, Chandler Riggs, yeah, and that's why we talked about it. Yeah, and, and I, everyone else did too. It's, yeah, it's I. Yeah, so I don't so. think it's us. I think they are listening to the community, though. Okay, and and as much as we maybe inspire some discussion within the community when yeah. people listen, uh, we're the psychotic, dirty beard brick branch of the community. <laughs> sure, yeah, <laughs> we're screaming and ranting and raving, and the rest of the community is a little more. You think you could take measured. this subreddit from me, from Jim? <laughs> Oh yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> right. It was it was kind of surreal to to see that though when we had just talked about it so recently. I mean, if if people seen the live watch that we do for the club members, like my mind was fully blown from about t yeah. minus five minutes <laughs> until like it just kept. I, I I was like, is is this real life? What what's happening? I got uh-huh. Rashon, I got Hardwick. You know, like Mia culpening his bullshit spoiler stuff. It's 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 amazing. Yeah. Real quick, I want to uh, sneak in a, a ninja-like Jesus-type plug uh, for the club, club.baldmove.com. Uh, got a lot of cool features. We just had a really entertaining live watch. Like, if you want to see what it looks like for a grown man to have a television-based uh, religious experience at seeing two people have sex on screen, you got to watch the live watch. And the live watch is mm-hmm. people are like, what is the live watch? Well, first of all, if you go to YouTube... Uh, dot com slash bald move and click on our videos uh we've got two of them the live watch for episode 511 and 510 hell i'll link those live watches in the show notes we gave these away because i know it's a kind of a hard thing to describe but essentially uh, it's a video of us 
um, talking over the video of The Walking Dead. You, we do not play the whole video, and you do not you, you you can't watch the video, and you can't listen to the sound. But you use the video. It, it's it's hard to describe. <laughs> you use the, the the video that we have to synchronize your own copies. If you're watching on Netflix or iTunes, or if you got a DVR copy, or you're watching it live. You synchronize uh, the video with your video, and then we provide a commentary track. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's insightful. Sometimes we make fun of local commercials. It's it's a good time. But it's one of the the, the premium features that you can only get on the club, as well as ad-free podcasts, uh, VIP access to the forum, tons of other bonus content. We're doing first-run movies. We just did Deadpool. Uh, You only get the the spoiler-free section unless you're a club member. Go to club.baldmove.com. It's inexpensive, it's a good value, and it's a great way to support independent podcasters. Okay, uh, you're waiting for me to get into the episode, because I that's what I do now. certainly am. Uh, so uh, we, we, we start off with this aforementioned domestic scene of Rick preparing to go on what we understand is a supply run. Uh, now, Denai Guerrera mentioned that this was about two months after the uh, Carl getting his eye blown out. Sure, that makes sense, given, you know... Carl's still changing an eye an eye bandage, which, eh. Do you wish that they gave us more of a clear-cut the, the understanding of how long it's been? Or do you... I, I feel like I don't that feel they like deliberately they keep the timeline fluid because it's one less oh, continuity thing to yeah. track. Yeah, I, I don't... I didn't care. Okay, me either. I got the sense that it was some amount of time had passed. doesn't really yeah. matter how much. Yeah. Uh, Carl's in the next room throwing a tennis ball against the wall for the physical therapy and you know, he's trying to get his depth perception retrained mm-hmm. uh and uh michonne's uh bitching about a lack of toothpaste and it's just a really cute family scene and like i said it what what really got me is when i felt like it was entirely natural for them to give each other kiss goodbye they give each other this kind of weird high five thing or low five rather right right and i guess that implies at the end when they finally do get together that that is the first time and you were talking about that in live watch i do i think there's a lot of evidence yeah in this episode now that i've seen it a couple times that points that this is a first time you know that they that they got down yeah and i i went into this episode going oh it must be like a year in the future or something and to know that it's only two months that makes a lot of sense as well that maybe they've been you know they they've been shacked up close as, together and... as like a pseudo family unit for a while, but yeah, uh, sure, I could see this being the first time. Uh, and Rick was like carving a new hole into his gun belt, right? Implying you... he got fatter. I thought so. I don't. He's bulking up again. When it kind of zoomed out to show him picking the belt up, it looks like he was operating on the belt end. But yeah, I don't. I think that they were trying to imply that you know being in Alexander's been good to them, and he's now got to, he's gotten a little. Uh, he's not a skinny pissed Rick anymore. Or maybe they're implying the other way around because they do mention we have food problems, right? Like Eugene at the gate says, oh, "So we're going good good feed our food stop well, our food problems." I want to know what's going on, with Eugene, because he's not having a food problem. No, Abraham's not having a food problem. <laughs> you know, I feel like. Uh... <laughs> Uh yeah. Anyway, uh, Spencer we know is not having any food problems, <laughs> right? Yeah, because he's he's uh, doing a five finger discount from the pantry on the reg. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then go see Rick kind of going across the compound, and we see they're they're rebuilding the wall, they're expanding the wall. Uh, everything's working harmoniously. Uh, we see a nice scene of Daryl getting a shopping list from Denise. 
And she's got this one below-the-line item that she's mm-hmm. wanting that we find out later is a can of Orange Crush Pop. Yeah. There's a funny line about the Midwest calling this pop. I I, I never called it pop. Now, I know you're I, not I, from I the either. Midwest, but it's always been right. soda to me. Yeah, me too. So, But I guess that's definitely a Midwestern thing to call it pop. Okay. What n- uh, News to this Midwesterner. Yeah. I, I just I feel bad for Daryl. Dar- like I can imagine Daryl every day is going out on his run. Somebody new's running up yeah. with a fucking list. Just, every day he takes a new route to the sure. gate, hoping to avoid sure. this shit. But every day Eugene's there with another list. Yeah, sorghum. Today is sorghum, Daryl. Yeah, we need sorghum to alleviate our, our food problems. Some old ladies wanting the pasta machine. Right. Well, <laughs> some old ladies, Aaron. <laughs> At this point, are you calling well, no, him an no, old he, lady? He was looking for on behalf of an old lady. Oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah. He was. So he was he was passing on the honey do list. He just wanted yeah. to be nice. Uh but but we also find out that Denise and Tara are definitely an item. Yeah. And living together, right? We so when she brings uh when they bring Jesus yeah. back and uh-huh. and and they carry him into the house, it's someone dark. closes the door, you assume I assume that it's Tara. I thought it. In fact, I assumed it so hard. I thought I caught a glimpse of her. Maybe, like Maybe. when the door first opened, she was behind uh, Denise. You could be right. I and I don't know if that's. Are they taking her to Denise's and Tara's house or the hospital? Like, I thought it was her house. I would imagine that as the doctor that they she. Of course, I know that that's not what Pete did. But it feels like if you're the doctor, you're going to be on call twenty four seven. Why not just live in the emergency room? Because think about like if right. you got in, you know, you got uh, inmates, patients, you got inpatients. <laughs> inmates. Yeah, you're going to want to be able to check on them on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just live in the medical center. I don't have any yeah, proof maybe. of that, but um, because she didn't say, okay, well, let me get my bag and let's ho- hoof it to the medical complex. She's yeah. like, bring them in. Sure. Um. I do like out. Well, have we talked about Eugene yet? Are we? Are you ready to I'm move about, on? Or? I'm about to. I just want to point okay. out that the reason that she wants this pop is because uh, Tara and Heath are going on a two week run. Yeah, uh, which sounds like that's. I mean, that seems like an event. Like that's not some. That's definitely not what like Rick and uh, Daryl are doing. Yeah, it's what. So are they doing like the job that Aaron is, and Eric? What were I'm doing getting at is: th- is this going to herald a three episode? Just as we're building momentum, what I'm afraid of is we're going to get a three episode Tara Heath arc, and I don't know that anybody on the planet wants that. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of characters who I might want to see Tara pair up with for an episode. I don't know anything about an, Heath. an episode. Like an episode is fine, right? right but right. that's usually these things become a multiple episode arc. And it's not that I have anything against Heath. I just don't no. have any affection for him because no. we've not seen him. And I at mean, all. I'm sure I, maybe they could construct a three yeah. episode arc with those two that would be okay. But on the other hand, like this shit with Jesus and Rick and Michonne and Carr is super interesting, man. Right. I don't really want to go away from it now. And there's a lot of other stuff. Like, I am somewhat disappointed in the two month gap because I'm really wanting to know, like, What's a, I know Morgan's around because those uh, traps out front of the gates are standard issue Morgan Cleartown shit. Yeah, uh, I want to know what's going on with Morgan and Carol and whether they've made peace or they've had. I mean, I I know I didn't want to hear them like morgalizing in each other, but I would uh-huh. like to know how that shook out. You know? Yeah, I I wonder if it will be discussed again or if it will just be implied with kind of the way they're acting and treating each other. Sure. 
Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I noticed on the memorial wall that uh, Deanna, Jesse, Sam, and Ron have been added. Ah, still okay. low reg. <laughs> I paused it and looked at <laughs> every one of them. Like, unless his real name was Richardson. <laughs> his first name is Richardson? Because they're all first names, but there's yeah, yeah. one that's Richardson. Like, uh, maybe that's the sh- long name for Reg. I mean, Reginald is what I would think if if you're going to have a long-named Reg. Right. So I I don't know um, I I don't know why maybe the memor- the wall is the memorial enough like the okay. entire wall right. it's now called the Reginald Monroe Memorial Cold Rolled Wall uh huh surrounding the Alexandria Safe Zone yeah uh, so Rick meets Daryl up on the run um, Eugene comes up and says fuck your barley I want sorghum because it's like uh, a super fr- food. Yeah. He's been watching old episodes of Dr. Oz, and he went on a whole sorghum tear. And you can tell, like, you know, Rick and Daryl are this close to giving him purple nurples and pink bellies and decide to better it's, roll It's on. every day. It's every day with this guy at the gate. Sure, sure. Uh, the other thing I noticed when they're driving out is they have this nice little, like, weave pattern set up kind of at the front you know aside from just the sticks they also parked cars in front of it yeah so like it's a little harder to just ram the gate straight it's like up. what they've done with u.s embassies right in, in recent right. years they got a, like a little chicane you got to run makes total sense and i like to see that yes this is little things you don't have to call attention shows, to it it shows you that they learned a little a thing or yes. two from the mishap indeed. with the wall indeed maybe they even got rally points and you know, emergency right, meetup. Right, backup plan. Yeah, uh-huh. who knows? Like, you know, they had in the prison. Sure. <laughs> uh, so Rick and Daryl are discussing the law of averages, which that's kind of like the dialogue thematic element that they're wry observations that they have shit luck, not just of late, but pretty much the entire run of the se- series. Yeah. And that, you know, eventually it's got to turn around for them. Uh, they mentioned they haven't seen anyone for over two weeks, anyone new. Which implies that they have met some people within the last two months. Yeah, he said. I think he said it's been weeks. I don't. Or maybe it's weeks. I thought he said two weeks, but he could have said few weeks. I think he said a few weeks, so it could be the two, the whole two months. I and think you know, Daryl says, and you know, not that that's a bad thing because I mean, there's a lot of things like I wish I'd hear them talk about this Negan thing, but on the yeah. other hand, it's clearly on their minds, and that's enough for me to put a pin in it. Uh, Rick, much to Daryl's chagrin, fires up the Ronnie D. Ronnie Which, D? Is that... Yeah. I looked at that. It's Ronnie D, who is a man. That's a man singing? Yeah. Yeah, it's a man. Huh. I wouldn't have guessed. I was going to write it down, but the next song is about him finding the love of the good woman in her arms. Like, huh, I wonder if this is a subtle Tara Denise acknowledgement. <laughs> huh. But I looked it up just because like, I want to see, you know, what a rockabilly lesbian country western singer looks like. Right. Like, you know, yeah. What Katie Lang? Oh, okay, is she country? I, I, don't, I don't know. Don't even she's really know. definitely country-ish. I don't know yeah. if she's rockabilly, but I looked it up, and I'll be damned. It's a dude. It's a dude, huh. okay. uh, an old dude at that. Uh, <laughs> I love this moment. I really, truly yeah. love this moment between Daryl and Rick. And he even uh, makes there even there's an even inverse in universe reason for it. Draw you know as he turns it up, it's like it draws him away from home. Like he blasts whatever Molly Hatchet, Ronnie D. <laughs> To draw the, the zombies away. away from their home. That makes total sense. Okay. Even though, you know, they're not concerned about the walkers outside the gate. 
<laughs> stab through with well, their, their, their stuff. pitchfork devices. You know? I, I wish, yeah, I don't know. I mean. But they come back that night and Eugene has still done nothing to clear them. Right. That's the thing. Come like, on, Eugene. I actually thought it'd been cool if the zombies was gone when they got back and then that would be a tacit acknowledgement, acknowledgement that there is some kind of zombie yeah. detail. Because you don't. Zombies beget zombies. Right. They, they start screaming make, and howling, yeah. and sooner or later you got a, a horde again. A yeah, herd. And you never know when shit's going to go wrong, and you're going to have to have civilians run past them, and God knows what happens with these idiots. So Yeah. Although I imagine we probably would have called that out as a continuity error. <laughs> Had we seen no, the, the one? Not with gone. this episode. No, no, okay, I would have. Right. I'm ready to fan cannon anything for this <laughs> thing to work. Uh, Michonne's, Michonne is standing on guard and she sees Spencer stealing off into the woods with a shovel. So decides to, I guess, abandon her post to go dick around with him. Uh, Maggie stops by Enid. She's journaling, it looks like, or maybe sketching something. I don't know. And tries yeah. to warm up to her and play this kind of den mother role. She's, Which, she's writing, I will not let Carl railroad me anymore. <laughs> in her, over and over and over. Uh, yeah, well, good thing you threw Road in there. Um, I think that Enid is going through some pretty massive... Well, I don't think. I, I can she see is. she's going through some pretty massive character changes. I don't know where it's going. Yeah. Uh, I've got more to say about it later, but anything... Mm. I mean, this is just a really brief scene that shows that... I want to see what Maggie's up to. I I assume that she's taking Deanna's place kind of as the town well, uh, administrator. Two months in, were you kind of expecting her to... I don't know how pregnant she was when she told Glenn, but I'm assuming, yeah. you know, a month or two. Uh, Yeah. I, how long does it take for a pregnancy test to be able to measure Well, I that? imagine you, you... So you miss your first period. Right. Then you pre- take a pregnancy test. Probably. So that's at, at a minimum a month. Yeah. Hmm. Sure. And then, a few weeks, yeah. you know, you're too... So she's in right in, at the end of her first into her second trimester. I think that she would show a little bit. Maybe she did and I just didn't notice. Yeah, maybe she did. She has, like, a jacket on or something, right? Right. Um, so they should then have a scene where... Uh, it's it's really f- kind of funny. Uh, Rick and Daryl are blown past this intersection, and you hear just the screech as you see kind of, like, there's this giant barn with the word sorghum painted on the roof. Uh-huh. Uh, and they don't find any sorghum, but they do find a box truck that is packed to the fucking gills with canned foods, toothpaste. Pasta maker? Did you see the pasta maker in there? I wasn't sure if it said maker or pasta something else. It seems but like maker. My first reaction was, yeah, pasta pasta maker, and that's got to be an Easter egg, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that to me says this is the holy grail of finds. Sure. Right? This is, you know, the law of averages evening back out. They've now found everything this group could ever ask for. Yeah, the the gum's going to be spearmint. <laughs> right. You know. There's baking soda galore. Going to be fresh, unopened bo- uh, uh, packs of tennis balls for Carl to throw. Uh, it's, it's, probably it's... some orange soda in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, which, to me, made it really annoying that they didn't just say, fuck the dumb shit, let's get this back to base. Throughout the entire episode, I'm thinking, fuck the dumb shit. Let's get this back to base. Is that really what you do? Like, I feel like... Yeah, I think it is when you hit the mother load. I don't know. Like, if you're gambling and you hit a jackpot, do you go back to the table? No, no, you leave. You leave with your winnings. Yeah. Because if you go back to the table, you're going to lose it, just like they lost the food. I guess, but how often does Jesus come up and jack your shit? Law of averages, man. (laughs) I guess How often has Jesus come before? Never. That's true. (laughs) Uh, so on the way back, Daryl notices a vending machine. That's the thing. Like, I feel like if it hadn't been Denise, 
they would have headed right back, but he saw this vending yeah. machine. Presumably, it said something Orange Crush on it, or I don't know why. But um, so but they're it was like, "What's, what's going to hurt?" Couldn't see the front, like I. Yeah, I don't know. This stop is dubious, Daryl. All right, and especially when they have to like get chains out and hook it up because that, if you do have to take off in a hurry, we see how. Uh, <laughs> effective it is to track something that's dragging chains and a mm-hmm. vending machine behind it. Uh, anyway, uh, they do flip it over with a little bit of ingenuity and they start to loot it when literally Jesus shows up. And I, it's funny because on a live watch, I, it actually startled me. I wasn't prepared. There wasn't any like obvious danger. There wasn't any ominous strings. It's just, bam, some body flies in and tackles him. I said, Jesus. And then I'm like, it is Jesus. Because <laughs> I've read the comics, you see. Speaking of Jesus, yeah, uh, and and Eugene and the sorghum thing, the sorghum sign leading them right to uh-huh. the the location of all the food and supplies. Is there any chance that they're going to turn Eugene into a bit of a prophet when it comes to this group? Because hmm. he does he does foretell like, I mean, he doesn't outright say go to the sorghum and you'll find all the solutions to our problems, but he kind of does. No, but Jesus never and came in right Jesus out and said shows stuff up. too. That was very Jesus. Yeah, right? It's all about fishes and right prophets, you know, needles and camels and water and wine. It's like you know, yeah. Uh, so maybe they're doing that with him. Hmm. I don't know. I it's dubious, but we'll see. <laughs> sure. Uh, Rick and Daryl hold him up at gunpoint. He explains, hey, I was just running from the dead. They're about, uh, you know, half a mile behind me. He says his name's Paul Rovia, which his name's Paul Monroe in the comics. Well, they couldn't do that. I'm assuming that that people would be like, oh, he must be a long lost brother to Spencer. And they just, you know, did the switcheroo to not confuse people. I I think so. Yeah. Although, like. So they're both Monroe in the comic? Yeah. No relation. Huh. I mean, that happens in real life. Like, right. you run across sure. a, a guy named Jones, you don't think it's just he's curious your when you're writing fiction that you wouldn't differentiate them with different last names, right? That's true. But maybe, I mean, I I think that's got to be one of the hardest things to do if you're an author or any kind of creative is to come up with just names for people. Yeah. You know, it's like, what yeah, do you it's... call what do you call your high school chemistry teacher that gets cancer and cooks meth? Bob Jameson. Sure. I mean, it's 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 tough, right? Uh-huh. Um anyway, uh he strikes a Jesus pose as he says he's Jesus. I thought that was a nice uh, touch too. Yeah. They both bluff each other and say they're not from with any camps. Uh Rick starts his how many walkers you killed Spiel and Daryl's like, "No, not this guy." Um, and he says, Hey, I got to run because the zombies, you know, good luck. And Rick notices a bunch of weird things about him. Like this guy's clean. His beard's trimmed. He's essentially the opposite of season five, Rick. Uh, uh-huh. He's, 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 he's got a lot of stuff going for him. There's more going on here. Yeah. And they debate whether track him when they hear some gunshots. Surprise motherfucker. It's actually firecrackers. I remember when I first saw this episode, this, this episode, I thought it was kind of bullshit that he just ran into these guys out of the blue. Like yeah. I was like, this is another bullshit Walking Dead staging problem. But now it's he was just doing that to snatch his keys. I think this whole thing is a trap. Not not maybe not a trap. Well, that's it's a ruse. I definitely want to talk about what is what is part of the plan and what's not part of the plan. Because okay. clearly stealing the keys is part of the plan. Did you think in retrospect that Rick and Daryl are kind of rubes? That this guy's just running like 
It's not like they're yeah. in an alley and there's a blind corner and this guy this guy just runs full force into one of them with all the room in the world to maneuver. They're <laughs> hunched over a big obstruction. Like, why the hell would it be coming this way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, hmm. I, I don't know. I, I think maybe you could get duped there. It's, it's clear when you watch it. That no, totally he's pocketed you can. The keys and, and right he's away. Also, he's unarmed and he's unassuming. Uh-huh. So, like, I, and I, I felt like that. There are signs that Rick and Daryl are on alert for some, but they just. You but then know. it happens over and over again, and eventually sure. he makes his way back to their camp by, I think, duping them. I don't. Sure. I don't know how how hard he got hit in that truck incident, but it seems to me like he's fucking fine when he shows up at the end of this episode in Rick's bedroom. I don't know if you get hit hard enough to knock you out for hours to legitimately knock you out. Well, I, if you actually else wake up and about. you're fine, sure. so I think it might all all be a ruse. The whole thing that top is, to bottom. if it's all, I have a problem with it all being ruse because that's some um, Batman level gambit shit. Okay, when we get further on, let's talk about where you think it stops being a ruse. And, okay, and we'll talk about it. Uh, I thought I had some other point here, but whatever. Yolo, we're moving on. <laughs> Uh, Spencer's in the woods confronting a zombie with his little pocket knife, which Michonne helpfully dispatches. And he explains that he's been gotten this habit of going on walks after his shifts. And he also mentions that Michonne's the first to notice, which is still two plus months after the Reg incident. This is a tacit acknowledgement that Alexander hasn't gotten much better in the guard duty department, right? Seems like it. You're the only one that's noticed. You're the best guard and you've abandoned your post. Sure. (laughs) Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, she mentions, and here again, this is the, I think the dialogue is pretty pretty tight. Uh, said that, you know, your mom said I need to figure out what I want for my life, and I'm working up to it, but right now I want to know why her son's out fucking around with zombies in the woods. Because, yeah, I mean, that's a big question I had. Like, what is this dude going out there with a the fucking shovel on his back? Mm-hmm. That's some weird behavior. We'll yeah. see where it goes. And, and I like that Michonne, you know, just doesn't have it all figured out right away, right? right. Like, it's going to take a little while to figure out what you want in this new world. Uh, there is a lovely scene of Carl and Enid traipsing through the woods, and they got the the maybe mid-morning light streaming through the branches, and it's just, just really, really well shot, well lit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they find a, a Mylar balloon that has a message attached to it now i don't know if you did this in school but this was like a yearly thing that we did in grade school we'd seal up a message inside a plastic bag tie it to a balloon and let go and then see Hmm. how far it got away and whether people would mail be back and we you know you'd you'd release like a hundred of these balloons and you'd get four or five back huh and it was always a game like okay we're we're releasing these from Southwest Indianapolis. Oh my God, we got one from Destin, Florida. Wow, that's crazy that yeah. the balloon got that far away. But do uh, you think it's that, or do you think that this is a post-apocalyptic message? And if so, is this leading anywhere? A post-apocalyptic, yeah. Message. Like, was this? Um, are people attempting to communicate with mylar balloons? Because Enid says, oh. like, this seems recent. Like after the fall rather than a elementary school project. I feel like this is a lot like the Terminus stuff where they've got signs out drawing people in. Now I'm not going to say whether it's a good or a bad thing that they're drawing people into. I don't know, but I I felt like it was that it was just searching without actually having to go out and search for people. Gotcha. Uh, So the message is obscured. She says it's wet. It's all gone. And she asks, 
Carl, like, why are we coming out here? And he says, because we're kids, which doesn't seem to carry much weight with her at this point. Yeah, she says they're not kids. And I agree. With all the shit they've seen. I gotta say, I think the Enid and Carl are kind of a neat, reasonably well-written teenage couple. Yeah. And it's kind of bumming me out that they're having relationship problems. It's understandable. Totally. Um, But I wonder where they're going with this. Are they going to just eventually become good friends? Which I guess is fine. Yeah, there's something... I, I don't know, because it doesn't seem like Carl is much interested in the romantic angle at the moment. It's certainly what we've seen in this episode, well, right? It's just they like they're never, they've never been on the same page. When she was all, like, sloner yeah. and sulking and wanting to go out, he was all like, why are you doing this? All teamwork, blah, blah, blah. And he hasn't yeah. gone away from that, but he does seem like he's got a darker edge to him since he got his eye blown out. Yeah, it does. Uh, and also, kind of, he's like, he's kind of, I don't mean passive aggressive to her like as soon as she's like i want to go in he's like yeah fuck this and just take off doesn't even wait for her doesn't look back at her just starts walking back right carl's treating her pretty shittily but that's Uh, teenagers do that a lot completely and and especially guy teenagers i mean sure guys want to do their own thing and and they're just going to do what they're going to do and if you follow along great if not see ya yeah uh but i Really, I'm I'm a little sad for Enid here because I feel like Glenn has just wrung all the spirit out of her. Like, well, I, I get she's in like a better place emotionally, but she's also following Carl around like a little puppy dog. Well, she so she had this facade it, of she doesn't have seem to have any will of her own at this point. I, I I don't know. It feels realistic because she's had this facade of this tough. I don't give a shit about anyone, and that's how I get by. Yeah. And when she let go of that kind of armor. Now she's a lot more vulnerable, but she hasn't really been built back up by anything. And the person she's hanging out with, Carl, has been, you know, just got his eye blown out. Yeah. And uh, watched a woman get her arm hacked off that her dad, you know, it's... I mean, I guess that's why I feel bad for her, because she's not kind of carving her own path. It seems like she's following along with Carl, who's not in the best of places. And While I'm thinking uh, of it, does it not feel... Does it not feel like a bit of a misstep, this whole Jesse thing? In what way? Because Rick had some kind of connection with her right. less than two months ago. Hmm. Hacks off her arm, and now it's like he turns his lonely eyes to Michonne. It's almost, it almost a little bit offends my Rashone sensibilities that, you know, it. I don't know. Like, it's, when's he going to hack off Michonne's arm? No, or it's why not isn't like he, that. It's, why it's, isn't he thinking about that? Yeah. Like, why didn't he have to process the fact? Like, because he seemed to, in the moment, be like, oh shit, all of these great things were going to happen with me and Jesse, and now I've got to cut her arm off. He doesn't ever. I mean, we skip ahead. I felt so like they forced things with Jesse, honestly. Like, I yeah. wish they'd gone more with the fact that he had bonded over them, the fact that they were a parent, and the fact that she had this abuse. And it was kind of like Rick's desire to save people more than he was kind of in love. And mm-hmm. and then they made the, I think, ham-fisted decision to re-emphasize their love affair with all the flashbacks yeah. going into Kill Bill vision when he's hacking off her arm. And yeah. I'm a little mortified that it makes Michonne feel like she's the second best prize when I think she is the top prize. Right. And Jesse at right. best was a distraction. I, I don't know. It almost might have felt better if, as Rick and Michonne were growing closer, Jesse was kind of becoming the thing that Michonne was before that. Yeah. Like, before they were romantic. Just so, like, She's purely platonic. And, or, like, someone yeah. to sympathize with about having this kid and, like, 
I, I don't know. Well, you know, the one thing that this show hasn't done since the days of the, the classic Shane, Rick, Lori triangle is deal with jealousy. Right. Which the comics does and did a lot. Like, you've got a limited amount of pool of people who are, you know, with everybody's sexual preferences and uh, aesthetic preferences that you can choose from. So when the person doesn't choose you, there's some friction and jealousy and it's kind of unavoidable. And they don't really go there. Maybe they were so scarred yeah. from belaboring the Shane Rick stuff that they don't want to do that. But I, it would also been interesting to see Rick be like, Hey, the woman that's living with me is way better for me than the blonde with the blue eyes down the street. And that kind of have some weird, you know, fr- adult friction between them instead right. of, I love you. I got to save you. I'm hacking off your arm. Hey, Michonne. Sure. Sure. I, <laughs> you brush your teeth real nice. And I don't want to. I don't want to take anything away from their relationship now because we didn't see those two months, right? And, yeah, and sure. this does feel like a very natural thing, despite the stuff that happened with Jesse. I yeah. want to. I want to throw all that out the window and say that was a thing that happened, and now this is a thing that's more important and is happening. And I also think that does happen. Like you know, sure. people get in a relationship yeah. and then it ends, and then it's like, oh, you know, it's like. Most of the time it's a rebound, but some of the times uh-huh. it can be like, ah, I didn't because of this, this, and this. I didn't see what was in front of my eyes. I mean, that's very right. rom com tropey, but it. I think it also happens. It does, yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Mostly, I just think Michelle's awesome. It was kind of offensive to me that Rick was quasi cheating with this fucking Jesse. I'm woman. I'm debating whether or not to correct you on your name. What you called Michonne Michelle. Did, did I, don't, I? I don't think you meant to. <laughs> oh my god! Now I'm mortified for. I need. I feel like I, I need some fa- kind of uh, punishment, like Dobby and Harry Potter. I need to slam my fingers in a drawer because I. <laughs> Jesus Christ! My ears are actually red. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> it happens. That's your thing. No man. No. You're not I, great with names. It's just your thing. Fans will forgive you. I, I just to, wanted I, to point I, it out. I, I, so need they to, didn't think. I need to pick up smoking and put a cigarette out on my forearm. To punish myself for the lapse of uh, I, I apologies apologies Michonne. Uh, anyway, where the hell was I? I'm so discombobulated now. We just talked about Enid's crushed spirit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get more to come. Carl's hair, my God. I mean, really? this, Carl's hair is so feathered. This is what <laughs> Daryl's hair would look like if it wasn't so greasy, and you sure. put him in a wind tunnel. Yeah, like Carl's just adopting Daryl's hair without the grease. It's it's truly amazing. Not a bad way to go, honestly. Uh, I, I think it's pretty bad. It's looking. Yeah. It's looking. A, he could use a haircut. Uh, he needs to ditch the fucking hat. At this point, <sighs> although I, is he kind of kind of going for like it's so stupid, it's cool thing. I think instead of an eye patch, they should like just Pharrell, have his hair come down over. Pharrell it. was rocking that Arby's hat for a right. long time, and yeah. you get you guys wearing the trucker snapbacks, and I, I think you can ironically pull off a hat. Okay. Especially in the zombie apocalypse, because again, who yeah. else is Enid going to? She's going to go after. Uh, <laughs> not Ron. I can tell you that. Not much. Ron. Uh, no, it, it's essentially Father Gabriel, <laughs> Eugene, and Carl for eligible men, right? Sure. Spencer, depending on where you think uh, Abraham's at. With nah, Sasha Abra- nah, at the no, Abraham's true dress blues for her. So. We think so. Yeah. Uh, so Rick and Daryl are running down this guy, and at first I thought this is stupid. They're running down a vehicle. And then I remembered, aha, they just got this vehicle running. So, in fact, it's going to break down is not unreasonable. Two, this guy they think is on foot, 
So wherever he is not camping is got to be nearby. So it seems like it's kind of reasonable if they just sprint after him, they might be able to catch him unawares. And also is kind of a moment of badass. Like, yeah. Like these two guys are have run so much are in such good shape <sighs> and badasses that they're just going to run down a fucking truck. Yeah. Forget about it. We don't care. We're the gazelles of the dead. Like th- this road can- only goes one direction right now. Sure. We're going to run until it ends. Yeah. Uh, so they catch up in the machine. It looks like the chains might have worn through, and the vending machine is now broken free from the truck. Mm-hmm. And Daryl decides he's going to loot it, which I thought <laughs> at this point Rick's got to think he's got to say something because Rick's like, "You are maniacal about this shit," <laughs> and he explains that you know it's from the dock. And Rick's like, "Say no more." She saved De- Carl's life, so she's okay in my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also have this this conversation where this is kind of annoying, and that Daryl is down on bringing people in as Rick is kind of on the upswing. But that makes sense because Daryl's last run of the people I get were it. Negan's guys it's that he just, blew up. This again. I know. This again. The fli- again, flip-flopping. I know. I know. But at least there's a fucking story reason, right? I get it, yeah. Blowing a s- nine dudes up with a rocket launcher is a formative experience. That's right. new shit, as you like to say, that's come to light. I Yes, I, we've done this just so many times in yeah, the show now that I get it. One more time just irks me, but okay, whatever. Uh, but I like the fact it's like you know we should still bring people in, and Daryl goes like this guy, and <laughs> Rick's like no, not this guy. In fact, I wish this was on HBO because it'd been really great to have him be like fuck this guy. We're <laughs> going to we're going to beat the shit out of this guy when we catch him. Yep. And they sprint off again. It is like I. You know, Daryl's full last Mohicans mode. His greasy hair blowing in the wind. He's just, you know, bionic man running. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl and Enid have made it to their makeout spot. It's the old rotten tree that they took shelter in and, and uh, got a little close a few episodes back. They're sharing snacks, reading comics. Did you see the Easter egg in the scene? I don't. That the comic think so. Carl was reading is this Invincible series that Kirkman wrote back in 2002. I assumed so. I was watching that in live watch. I'm like, oh, that's probably but that a Kirkman wo- comic. That, that Wolfman shit that was from the previous season, they think made up for the show. That's didn't they, or was that a real life comic book too? I thought I don't know. I thought I that was just like a foreshadowing of the wolves situation, which launched a whole bunch of Enid is a wolf bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's reading comics. She's trying to translate the balloon message, and they hear a noise, and it's Michonne and Spencer. I didn't. I thought the staging on this was a little rough because they're like 30 feet away in the woods and they don't, you know, Michonne, who is an excellent watch person, uh-huh. does not observe them. Yeah. And Enid hides behind the tree, but Carl's just there in the open. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, they, yeah. they were walking a different direction. Maybe she's less concerned with finding people and more. Like she'll hear a walker maybe coming yeah. up. So Enid says, I don't want to come out here anymore, and Carl's like, fine, fuck it, peace out. Uh, what's going on with Enid here? Is she, is she A, the thing that Maggie said to her about you being disappearing and we're trying to rebuild, is that struck home? B, she mm. actually cares about living and zombies are kind of, if she's not, a, she's not exactly afraid of them, but she's think, thinking these are unnecessary risks. There's never an unnecessary risk. All risks are necessary. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, it's, it's kind of hard for me to tell what's going on with her. She's, she's up in the air. I think even in her own mind right now, like fair, how is she, how is she going to adapt to the stuff that Glenn has taught her about this, this place being your new family? 
Um, and how is she going to adapt to the relationship that she has with Carl, who clearly isn't on that page? I mean, he's doing things that she does. She views as like reckless or mm-hmm. just not not proper to to help her quote unquote family. Yeah. Uh, uh, the other thing is. I feel like her, if if Carl could have explained to her what he's trying to do here with Deanna, they're not really that far off the page. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, maybe Carl's only doing this because he thinks this is what she wants to do. And hmm. part of this, like, fine, whatever, is just like, I, I, I'm, I'm getting in my head that for the last two months, he's tried to, you know, be there for her even though he's got his eye socket blown out and he's doing the things that he never really wanted to do just to kind of placate her. And now he's, she's, she's blowing him shit about it. So he's acting like a teenage boy and like, Oh, fine, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I just view it more as like the, like you said, the teenage boy thing. I think he doesn't realize or doesn't care maybe even that explaining this, explaining what he's doing would kind of make sense to her. And like, yeah, that's kind of what is needed in the moment. He just is going to do this thing because he's got it in his head to do it. Everyone else be damned. Yeah, that's something like kids do. They like yeah. try on emotions, and and this is sounding cynical, but it's more like you know babies throw shit off their high chair not because they like making the floor dirty, but they're phys- they're figuring out physics. The world yeah. is their laboratory, and I think teenagers. And preteens do that with their emotional state. Like, Absolutely. I'm going yeah. to throw a hissy fit, and, oh, it had this effect on people. Oh, is that good? Is that bad? And they're, it's like, you know, training wheels for some people grow out of it, some people don't. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like it's actually kind of decently written teenager stuff. Absolutely. Which is hard yeah. to do. It's really hard to make teenagers not fucking annoying people on the television show. Because you know what? A lot of the times teenagers are annoying to well, and it's adults. Written, it's right? all written from adult perspective and it's like, yeah. oh my god, these people think they got it figured out and they don't, rather than you know seeing the essential truth about the experience and empathizing with that, it's easier yeah. to make fun of them. And you get both sides of it, too. I mean, when he has a conversation with Michonne later, sure, you can tell that he's doing his teenage thing, and he doesn't want to explain it. He doesn't feel like he needs to. I'm just doing this thing because it's right. But she brings but it she out But she pushes it yeah. because she's the adult here, and she wants yes. to understand what's going on with this kid. Yes. And eventually she gets it out of him, whereas Ian is just like, fine, whatever, dude. Right. I'm out of here. Right. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, I think top to bottom, and it's, it's interesting, uh, Angela Kang, who I... I know we has written a lot of Walking Dead episodes, uh-huh. and I know we have had some problems with their episodes, but sure. for the most part, they're decent. Uh-huh. I think she really nailed it in this episode, and it's co-written with another person whose name I don't have. It's Cody something or other, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Cody something or other. <laughs> it might not even be Cody, but I don't have your name. Uh, and I've never. <laughs> that's also been a red flag to me. Whenever I see co-written episodes, I always think, "Oh, this has been something that's been torn apart and re-put back together." Yeah, and maybe so in this case. But Corey did Corey Reed. Oh, not Cody Corey. Whoever did Stitch Job, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so on the way back, they see a zombie, which is clearly Diana or Deanna, rather. Mm-hmm. And I, to to the point that I'm not even sure why they kept it a secret. Like I felt like it right. had been just just play it play it straight. I I really feel like The Walking Dead thinks they're more clever than they are. They with, with kind of, or, yeah. or they have a clever idea, and then it just isn't quite conveyed perfectly on screen, and a clever idea with less than stellar execution yes. turns out to be a very bad thing. Yeah, and I think a stronger show would be like, this isn't working, let's just 
just to show her. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, maybe... Uh, or they would keep going until they got it right and yeah. wouldn't worry about reshoots. Or shoot it and... both ways and see how it plays in the editing bay, and they can go yeah. whichever direction they want. Maybe they did that. And I, I don't know, but I thought it was kind of, even in the moment, this is dumb. We know it's fucking Diana. Not just by her shoes and her pants and her outfit and her hair from the back, which is very fucking distinctive. Yeah. Even two months walking in the wilderness. But also Deanna, or uh, my fault, Enid and Carl's reaction uh-huh. was reinforcing that it's Deanna. And they kind of struggled over whether they should kill her or not. And Carl, you know, instead of trying to explain it to her, just like, you wouldn't understand because you didn't lose your parents. Whoops. Uh, There's a lot of stuff wrapped up in that that I really like with sure. the conversation later with Michonne. I, I do. But, you know, and he's like, you know, kind of the whole – he was hurt by her. I feel like the core things going on is that Carl somehow feels rejected by Enid when she says, I don't want to do this anymore. He takes it personally. Hmm. And now he's using that to, you know, well, you didn't even want to be out here. So just go home. Get out of here. Yeah. And pushing her away as he's perceived being pushed away by her. Right. And she's got – she's had a positive change in her attitude. Carl, I think, has potentially had a negative change in his attitude. So it's – like as far as, like, this this whole people thing, right? Like, which seems to be the crux of, like, should we or shouldn't we I'm not even be sure nice to people? I'm not even sure it's fair to say he's had a negative change because, again, he's try, He's acting here from a place of love. Like, right? and, and also this makes sense That's on true. subsequent viewing. I saw – I saw – Michonne and Spencer, and maybe he doesn't know what they're doing, but I can lead Deanna back and let Spencer take care of it. And maybe yeah. Spencer won't understand the need for this, but I at least owe it to him to give him, like, if he doesn't want it, fine. Mm-hmm. But this has been, you and know. And if she eats him, all the better. <laughs> and that's the thing. This has been sometimes ham-fisted, sometimes not. Yeah. A, a thing that The Walking Dead has established. When someone dies and needs to be put out of their eternal misery, you know, it's always seen as a courageous and selfless act to be the closest person to them to do it. And it's always being seen as a act of moral cowardice to not be able to do that and have someone else do it. Yeah. And that, I mean, cowardice might be too, uh, too much of a term because like, it seems like their, their friends always offer like, Hey, this is going to be hard for you. You know, it's going to be, but like, if you suck it up and do it anyway, that means something. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's not, I don't know that his turn has been negative. I it, something has changed sure. within him. It's hard to tell yet exactly what it is though. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing that I've I've always been wanting to see more of is this kind of from an anthropological standpoint how they start doing death rituals and how they start viewing mm-hmm. death in a world where death is a transition to this monstrosity. Yeah. You know, it's like instead of giving someone their last sacrament, you ritually put a bullet in their head. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's interesting. And seeing this actually play out has me excited from that angle, too. Like, I think post-apocalyptic culture could be interesting. It's been yeah. frustrating to just see people run from zombies and run from evil people for this whole time. So it's getting a little of this is, is hitting that bone for me, too. Right. And I think, like, the stuff they did with Deanna last season, one of the reasons I like it so much is it it kind of also falls into that, you know, anthropological thing where – Death now isn't the moment where someone, you know, shuffles off the mortal coil. It's when someone is bitten, when someone is scratched, and they still have those moments to sure. get get some final words in, to say their goodbyes. Like, that changes the nature of death. Yeah, it's got the essential sadness of, like, cancer only in yeah. fast forward. Right, and right. Also, You've got, like, eight hours instead of eight months. Yeah, and also they'll kill you at the end of it if you don't 
do something to stop it. Yeah, so. they have to. <laughs> uh, but no, it's great. Uh, so here's another thing we can debate about. They come. They come upon Jesus, uh, mm-hmm. who has broken down apparently, and Carl apparently. and Daryl try to ambush him. Carl, Carl's nowhere to be Sorry, found here. But Rick and Daryl, jeez, where <laughs> again? Let me light up another cigarette. Uh, Rick and Daryl, that's in my notes too. What the hell? Huh. Uh, Rick and Daryl ambush him, but he's pretty spry for a messiah. Holy shit, is he ever? He's messiah, and uh, he kind of beats the hell out of him until they finally have guns and train them on him and he kind of says you know he kind of tries to call the bluff it's like are those even loaded which has me thinking a lot of things uh they graphically prove that they are hmm. do you think that negan's people yeah sure they ra- they ran up tough and they had a whole bunch of guns but how many of those do you think were loaded and do you think that plays a role into how kind of wishy-washy that guy was he seemed more interested in intimidating yeah. them than actually shooting them. So I legitimately, this is not me faking not knowing spoilers, uh-huh. I legitimately don't know where Jesus ties into this story. I don't know if he's sure. one of Negan's guys. I don't, I don't know anything about him, really. Yep. So if he is one of Negan's guys, and we want to assume that, then yeah, I, I definitely think maybe half those guys on bikes didn't have any ammo at all, mm-hmm. and it was more of a bluff. Maybe none of them had ammo. Uh, it also tells you something maybe about our group, like, you know, they've been a little more cautious aside from Abraham with their ammo. Um, and they still have some left, whereas a lot of people around the area are running out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe they're trying to convey some sort of, you know, intelligence or badassness in that. I have to, uh, haven't had a chance to dust this phrase off for a while, but it's very mildly interesting, Jim, uh, <laughs> okay. your, your observations. Yeah. Uh, so they take the keys from him and they tie him up, which he says, oh, you're going to do this to me? And Rick and Daryl observe, yeah, you're Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you've already gotten to bed. You're not going to have any problems with these knots. Daryl's pissed that his last orange soda is busted and he throes it at him. And then they, they're, they're going to leave him to the side of the road. I don't, I don't think it is his last orange soda. So he gets smashed up against the van. And I, yes. I really like that they show him holding the bag up and it's dripping soda. Yep. Obviously, some of the cans are smashed. Yep. He he shakes one up, he throws it at Jesus. When he gets in the car, he's got one that he pulls out and is wet, but I don't think it's busted. Well, then why does he say at the end to Denise, I tried that thing? Because then the truck falls into the river. Oh, shit, you're right. So the you're can right. has gone with it. Yeah, you're right. Okay, you're right. I lost track of the cans for a minute there. Yeah, yeah. I think he only had one at that point. You're supposed to think, oh, man. Yeah. She's only going to get one soda. Maybe it'll be enough. Yeah, well, I no. mean, if it's a, go- a two-week-going away present. Yeah, so uh, much soda for two weeks. So I, I got to ask, uh, there's another meta question. Say you're Tara, mm-hmm. and you say you have a tearful last fist bump with uh, Denise, which that could be taken a lot of different ways now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> uh, and she gives you the orange crush on your two-week dangerous mission. Seeing how this uh-huh. is, the zombie apocalypse, do you instantly down it? Because who knows how many precious moments you'll have left on this earth, and mm. it wouldn't be sad to die with that can in your backpack or you do do Will Smith it from Independence Day, and that's your victory dance. As as you're sighting Alexander in the oh, own man. home, you crack it open and have a nice warm orange crushed soda. It's the the classic conundrum. Yeah, to drink or not to drink. It's uh, like, are you the kid that saves your candy, or are you the kid that eats it all? Except for you could die at any time. I, I, <laughs> that changes the calculus. So if it's bit. me, I save it. I save it for the victory dance. Uh, if you're the showrunners. I think you have her save it 
let the audience hopefully forget about it, kill Tara on the road, and then show the can sitting there unopened ah. as she's dying. Okay. A little, little <laughs> as poignant an orange crush soda scene <laughs> right. that you'll ever get. Exactly. <laughs> in fiction. Uh, so Rick and Daryl on the way home, they hear a rustling on the roof. The mm. roof. And this devolves into a hilarious game of tag involving oh box God. trucks, rednecks, Christ figures, zombies, rivers. <laughs> my favorite moment is <laughs> Daryl screaming, we came to a conclusion, asshole, as he's trying to tackle this guy. Is that what he says? Yes. I couldn't tell. What the hell? Holy shit. What, is that? what does that mean? I came to a conclusion? Like, they were going to give him a second chance, and they didn't, and, like... How how does that tie in? <laughs> so, is he referencing when Rick says, this is done, and they I tie him up? I don't know. I just think it's hilarious that that's what he screamed <laughs> as he's run, trying to bum rush this guy. It's so, that is pretty funny. Uh, so, I mean, obviously... I, what, uh, what is Jesus trying to do here? Can Can I just ask you, like... Well, he was, gets thrown off the roof. He's bungling around in the field with Daryl, playing a, a game of two-hand touch. Sure. Like, is he trying to get them both out of the truck so he can steal it again? And if so, bravo, dude, because it fucking worked. They both got out of the truck like morons. Yep. And and you were able to route around Daryl and get in the truck. Yep. What the fuck is happening on screen at this moment? I Man, it, I, it seems stupid, but, like, you know, I, I play... Trials of Osiris and Destiny, where it's essentially you got three guys and they got three guys, and if you kill two of them, the only way that one guy can win is if he runs around and revives his buddies. And you wouldn't be surprised how many times I'm screaming, <laughs> "Just stay on their fucking bodies! We can't!" Oh shit, teammates down. Um, it happens. You get you get no. kind of crazy, and you you see the guy running, and it's you know kind of like a dog chasing a mailman. But from the moment Daryl jumps out of the truck, I'm like, this is going to go badly. Well, right. Why do they have to get this guy? Exactly. Why don't they just leave him in the rearview mirror? Because they want to investigate this barn? Who gives a shit? Just, you've got the stash. Drive away. So, what? Now, obviously, you know, a bunch of scuffling happened. Jesus takes a, a really vicious shot to the skull with a car door. Yeah. He's got a head of steam, which I don't think this is... I definitely don't think him getting captured was part of the plan. But you want to debate, I'm assuming, at what point... Does this stop becoming a plan? Because your your yeah. idea is that he's deliberately trying to get Rick and Daryl to take him back to. Uh, it has to be right. I mean, unless he just really wants these supplies, which I could also see. But sure, it seems like it's his jackpot. His plan is. I, I don't think that truck ever broke down. I don't think that tire blew out. I, I think what happened is why would you think he that, stopped. Though? In order for them to catch up to him, but why? And so he could jump on top of the thing and find the. Why base. wouldn't you just jump on after you ran? Yeah. Why? Why would you steal to the make... keys? Why wouldn't you just do the gunshot thing and then get up on the roof while they're distracted in the first place? Yeah, I I don't know. Like I, I think he legit broke down. Really? Okay. And yeah, I do because. But like, then he's doing all these abracadabra things. Like he clearly. There's something more to this guy. I think this was essentially a heist. It's a it's a two way capture the flag type of deal, and it's like you're seeing play counterplay, move counter move. Hmm. Because the other reading is if he wanted to be captured, or he wanted to sneak, like there's multiple opportunities he could have just straight up done that. Why all the ruse to make them think it's their idea? Or 
if he's crazy, I guess he's wanting to observe how they treat people. Like, cause he's not a threat. He's stealing their shit. But, but that's the thing. Like, I feel like it's unreasonable to take that much food away from potentially starving people and not have that. Like, if, if Rick and Daryl just summarily executed him on the side of the road, I feel like that's justifiable in this world. Okay. Like that's, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree, but yeah, so where, it's you, like, where are you going What I'm that? saying is like maybe this is – he's like, oh, well, I'm going to provoke him, but I'm unarmed, and if they shoot me, then – well and good but if they don't shoot me then i can introduce them like Mm. it's a really extreme version of what aaron the game aaron plays yeah and aaron almost got questions and and aaron almost got tortured to death over (laughs) applesauce so right uh it's extreme like a first contact scenario but maybe you know jesus sees himself as expendable or maybe there is a messianic thing here going i don't know yeah maybe he's willing to sacrifice himself to save others and I legit Certainly don't know because thing. I barely remember this all this plot, and I I deliberately did not reread this part of the comics. And yeah. also, there's the Kirkman remix at work, right? Um. Anyway, I don't know. I clearly there's more to this guy. I mean, he is an escape artist of sorts, right? Because he ends up on top of the truck. He ends up in Rick's bedroom. He he grabs Daryl's gun in the middle of a scuffle and, and successfully turns it on him. Yeah. So he snatches the keys. I mean, he's and he's, he's like sleight of hand all ex, over the place. Yeah, an expert hand to hand. Like it'll be interesting right. to see. Do you think they'll see? We'll see Morgan and him fight. So that would be kind of an interesting. I'm battle. a little disappointed in how. I guess how easily he defeated Rick and Daryl. If if it wasn't Rick and Daryl, arguably the two biggest badasses of the group. Yeah, he would have beat either one of them handily. Oh yeah, sure. So. What am I supposed to get from that? That that our team of badasses is not really as badass as they think? I think that it seems clear that Paul has had some kind of special training. Okay. That, like, Rick and Daryl... I mean, Rick's a cop, and Daryl's probably been in his share of scuffles, if nothing else, with Merle. Yeah. Um, And he struggles with his hair for the last couple seasons. <laughs> but I don't feel... That's a difference. Like, a... You know, a barroom right. brawler when he goes against a Brazilian jiu-jitsu, probably going to get his ass handed to Definitely him. Definitely, we'll get his ass. So handed I feel like it was for, fairly realistic, and also that the two guys together were more than a match for him, especially with guns. So it wasn't too like he wasn't fucking Batman, but like, is he special forces? Right. Is he... I, I just so in the in the spoiler section, and I'm not of of a lot of our previous podcasts. Yep. I'm not going to talk much about it. Just a general idea that I've gotten from it mm-hmm. is that. At this point in the comics, we're supposed to feel like how badass our group is. Sure, yeah. I mean, and we get a lot of time that. And time again. I, I felt like maybe they were trying to go that way with the the attack on Alexandria uh-huh. and showing how they defeated that. That yeah. felt sillier to uh-huh. me than, than badass. Yeah. Uh, here I also feel like one guy besting two of our biggest badasses, nearly besting two of our biggest badasses, mm-hmm is also kind of undermining that idea of we are the biggest badasses around. Hmm. So, like, I... I never thought of it from, a, like, a meta perspective like that, that that might be undercutting. I mean, maybe that's not what they're trying to do here, because it certainly doesn't play that way to me. Sure. It plays like Jesus is the biggest badass around. Sure. And what is his deal? Yeah. What is his game? What is he playing at? Where does he come from? Uh, how did he get so good? How does he escape all these things? Like... Well, the good uh, although, news is we're going to cut away for four episodes to see Tara and, and Heath on this run. So <laughs> Right. So we'll come back in the finale. <laughs> that's a joke. I, I don't know yeah. that that's actually happening. Uh, 
Can I just... He probably just punched his way out of the drywall fortress. Like, I, the drywall cell doesn't keep thing. anybody Fucking inside. Drywall. Although, people said that in this residential thing, like, the interior walls you could punch through, but the exterior walls you couldn't, but the, there's windows, so... Right. As yeah. long as he can get to a window, he's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I get it. Like, they're not... They're, they didn't construct this prison trying to do, to keep Jesus. Yeah, certainly not. Not not trying to, con- to contain Jesus. Um, so, yeah, they got another funny, uh, wry mention of the law of averages as they watch their, their hall just sink to the bottom of this pond. I th- I would think I would like to see a scene or someone acknowledging the fact that that's such a good haul that you strip down to your underwear and you dive down to the bottom of that pond and you start getting some shit, right? I agree. I don't Canned need to goods, see it. Pull it out. But I would like for someone to reference that they didn't just leave, just because it's in a few feet, maybe a dozen feet, maybe 20 yeah. feet of water, that's worth trying. That's worth holding your breath for, right? Absolutely. Okay. Uh I, I just don't know how you could make that point without them realizing it's a good enough haul to take it back immediately and not stop for Barnes, not stop to catch Jesus, not stop to get candy and... Yeah, I, I'm not going to fight you too hard on that. Okay. Um, Spencer thinks... Uh, so we got another scene of Spencer. Spencer thinks he's he's fine because Michonne's worried that he's going crazy, which is fair enough. When Alexandrians do weird shit, it's probably they're doing something dangerous all. Uh, uh, but he needs to take care of something. Especially that guy, after the tower incident. Sure. Now, I don't understand why he can't just level with Michonne at this point. Like, he's not going to lose her. Yeah. He, she could beat him he, like a Sunday morning boner, unarmed, <laughs> and she's got the katana and he's got a shovel. What the fuck? Uh-huh. So I don't. he's not going to get away from her. He's not going to shake her. He's not going to talk her out of her caring for him. Why doesn't he just be like, look, I'm trying to get, a, to get closure with my mom. Yeah. Like, somewhat frustrating that he just can't say what's going on. Yeah, I mean, if he just doesn't want to have that conversation, isn't emotionally ready for I don't know. I don't know. Spencer is not the greatest of characters. You know what he's uh, uh, he's not ready for? The What's show that? of emotion that he puts on his face when he has to put his mother out of his misery. He's uh, his His express his grief, intense grief face... Reads to me like guy trying to expel a particularly large, particularly firm turd. Oh God! Like you know, he's just really he's just really bearing uh, down on it. Like this guy, I you know, he seems like a pleasant enough gentleman, <laughs> not the world's strongest actor. Yeah, yeah, you can say that about several of the people in The Walking Dead. I mean, it's almost like a parody, like the John Hamm crying on Saturday Night Live thing. Like uh-huh. this is la- this what that's the face you make. <laughs> and if 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 I had a, a a criticism for the director, it'd be like there was like cut cut. Here, let's watch some YouTube videos of people experiencing grief. <laughs> okay, do you see how it's done? You know. Yeah. Uh, he mentions that she left him a note that said uh, before she died that I still knew my way. Barley equals intellect, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, the joke is, I never did know my way, which I believe. He seems like him and his brother both seem like big fucking idiots. Yeah, so I, I like this. I, I like that he acknowledges that he did never actually know his way. It doesn't say that he can't figure out his way, and I feel like the search for his mom is part of it. Like, he's going to start, he's going to try and do right by her, and mm-hmm. maybe in the process he will either through through a search or through luck find his way. Yeah, you know it's, it's this thing he's doing for himself, and I say good, good on you. Okay, do what you got to do. 
Uh, Michonne, meanwhile, while he's digging a grave for his mom, she's char- uh, carving a giant D on the tree, which I thought was nice foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, all my family's gone, and Michonne's like, you stupid son of a bitch. I followed you out in this woods because I didn't want you to die. I care about you. You have a home back here. You know, Forest for the trees, you gotta man. Get, you got to get with this uh, Matt Damon uh, band of brothers, Saving Private Ryan's sense of family and brotherhood, okay? okay? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, Daryl and Rick drive Jesus home, and uh, this is a little bit tiresome about Daryl saying, you know that thing we talked about a couple episodes back? Well, I've changed my mind, and Rick's like, well, it's funny, because that thing we talked about a couple episodes, <laughs> I've changed my mind, and now we're at opposite ends of the spectrum again. <laughs> right. Christ. Come on. Uh. Let this be the last time, Walking Dead. It can't be, though, because no. unless Daryl's gonna stay a ripe asshole... <laughs> You gotta turn him. You gotta turn him good again, right? <laughs> well, Daryl stayed a right asshole for six seasons and counting. I don't know that that's success. <laughs> in some ways, but like a lot of the stuff with Carol, he is not. Sure, so, I mean he's not unwashed, make... but he's fairly ripe. He is certainly, yeah. Uh, I thought the next scene. Here's the, the other reason why I don't think Carl has like gone dark because the scene of him and Judith sitting there and he's teaching her stars and constellations is cute as hell and that's not something a person with a dark plot storyline does Mm -hmm. also unrated benefit of the zombie apocalypse dark skies oh yeah no light pollution the darkest of skies it must be amazing uh but he explains because michonne's like what the fuck were you doing out there with your one eye and your sheriff hat and he finally you know can't can't really put his finger on it but he kind of in a Pretty good natural feeling dialogue for this character to give explains the whole yep. idea that like I f- it's my thought that when someone's turned into a zombie that it's someone that 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 loves them someone that's family that takes them out of the picture that that gives them that puts them at rest yeah and he says at the end stammers out I'd do it for you and then I think he kind of sobs a bit. I couldn't quite tell when she gives him a big hug and she goes, you know, I'd do it for you too. And I thought this is, again, this felt so natural that, like, she's kind of thinking that this is what she wanted. But now that it's like this is happening, like, this all right. feels like it It, it, it just is a gear turning with another gear. Perfectly. And I mean, yeah. the stuff with Deanna comes back into it too, right? She is finding her way. She's discovering what she wants out of this next world. And yes, I mean, that that's part of what makes this episode feel so tight. Is it both? It's fun to watch. Uh, it makes a lot of sense, both thematically and plot wise. And mm-hmm. I, I just, this is a good episode. Rick and Daryl have another conversation. Oh God. About how they switch a rude about from the morning after Reg and Pete and whatever. Okay. Moving on. They drag <laughs> Jesus to Denise's house. Uh, then I, I guess that she's treated him successfully and they drag him off the drywall prison. I tried to pause and look at this in high def and the note that he leaves, I think he leaves on a napkin, a pair of aspirin or some painkiller. Mm-hmm. I think it says for your head, you're safe. Talk soon. Rick. Is that what you got? Uh, no, I couldn't see what it said. Okay, so, but I think that's what it, with the water that, that and the, the the whatever you put on the floor. I think it's there's pills, Advil, aspirin. It's actually cyanide capsules. A- <laughs> <laughs> you want to trick us, motherfucker? Check this out. Jokes on you. Uh, Rick goes home and had this is kind of a nice uh, juxtaposition of the apocalypse versus now because this is a, this conversation every couple has like oh, I've had a shitty day I've had yeah. a shitty day too let's not talk about it let's just turn on 
The Walking Dead and check our brains out. <laughs> sure. Uh, and it quickly turns into a fuck our brains out session. <laughs> uh, After he whips out the spearmint. Yeah, uh, there's an interview with Denai Guerrero where she mentions that that's kind of, that was the moment that won her over. Like, yeah, I read that. You know, she put it like, he didn't get what you wanted, but it, your request was important enough that he saw something else. And, you know, it's kind of a joke, funny thing. But yeah. it led to that, that final spark and that final uh, intimacy. Yeah. Like, maybe if he does bring home the breath mint, it's just another low five and they go to bed. Probably. Uh, Most likely. <laughs> uh, but uh, he ends up giving her the low one. And, <laughs> oh, I mean, I think I was going to prepare for the debate about whether this is the first time. But uh-huh. it seems like after watching it, you've come around to my... Yeah. I thought yeah, it was I also so. filmed like this. There are two people kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. it's always kind of awkward the first time unless you're porn stars, I suppose. Uh, you know, first time you're boat, you just don't know. And you you, yeah. you you weren't planning on this to happen. So you got to shift some positions around and sure, et cetera. Uh, there's a beautiful, I mean, I don't want to get all ebony and ivory on people, but there's a beautiful shot of them laying in bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really awesomely composed. And then Jesus fucking ruins it wanting to talk. <laughs> Jesus always ruins it. Yeah, come on. Jesus comes into the bedroom. It's over. It's really a boner killer. <laughs> it, totally. it really is. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this has given me an avenue to to scream Jesus all the time, which is fun. Sure. Uh, maybe, hmm. I'm not sure it quite gives me license to yell goddamn, but but when Jesus gets angry, I assume I could I could get away with that. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, and to just make a lot of Jesus puns, which I find fun. The Jesus puns from hell to breakfast. We were, we're locked in. Yeah, that's probably the best thing, aside from the, the intriguing aspects of Jesus himself. Yeah. Uh, and and you'll never actually know which Jesus I'm talking about at any given moment. So that's... It's, it's great. That's do, the best thing of all. Do you think that Jesus looks Jesus enough? <laughs> uh, He doesn't. Like Rick said, his beard is trimmed, like... He, he's well, looking but, but, clean. I, I doubt Jesus was that clean of a guy. Really? Yeah, I mean, he washed his feet and other people's feet every once in a while, but other than that... <laughs> clean I mean, feet. People, filth, I don't think people were filthy. that clean back in the day. There's no hmm. no running water. You got problems. Hmm. So you, you subscribe to the American-centric uh, philosophy that unless you take a shower every day, you're dirty? I mean, definitionally, yeah, you're Are probably you dirty. Are you saying that Jesus is a dirty Jew? Because that's yeah, borderline that's, offensive That's him, exactly what I said. Honestly. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> if that's the case, then all the Jews back then were dirty. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh my God! What the hell? Pontius Pilate over there washing your hands of the whole deal. I am. Uh, I I'm out of Jesus jokes, so we all should right. probably get the feedback. Yeah, I think every episode of the podcast, when we're out of Jesus jokes, it's over. <laughs> so that's how we'll, we'll see you next week. Then, yeah, that's. I mean, what what more can he say? No, we do have a lot of feedback. Uh, I just I want to reiterate how elated i was as a rashon shipper that it went down this way and i thought it felt really natural and it was cute and yep. it's a very long game constructed thing that they did and this is arguably the f- most six su- i think it's unarguably the most successful kirkman remix okay because michonne yeah. and rick to my knowledge do not get down in the comic books and it's the most success i want to say might be not just the biggest success might be the only success i'm trying to think of maybe one or two others that i've enjoyed more but nothing's bringing to mind okay so i'm yeah i don't know i'm i'm thrilled i'm thrilled with this going forward so we have a sponsor to talk about this week 
It's uh, harrys.com. And I think people have have heard of Harry's before, if you've listened to our shows in the past. Uh, you know that I've been using their products for a couple of years now and have been immensely satisfied, I would say. I've, they're, they are way less expensive than trying to go to a store uh, and buy your, your shaving products. And I, I really like their... Uh, and by the way, you don't have the whole going to a store part. Exactly. And their their online process is super easy. It takes like 30 seconds to go uh, just see, find what you want on their store and check out. It's it's streamlined. Um, and, and you save a lot of money doing that. Uh, and they ship it right to your door. So, you know, stay in your stay in your pajama pants like I do for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, just have them ship your shaving supplies right to you. Uh, it's good stuff, and the the quality's great on them. You know, they they have their own factory. It's over in Germany, so you know the engineering is sound. Uh, they've got they they make their own blades in house, uh, and they they transfer that savings onto you. The the starter kit, which includes uh, the the razor handle, uh, three blades, I think, and I, I don't know. It's been a while since I got the starter kit because I've you know I've upgraded now. I'm you're on in the, the I'm in, on the you're in the stuff. intermediate kit. I'm no starter. Pretty soon you're going to be expert. Right. Uh, but I, I think it also comes with uh, shave, your choice of shaving cream or the shaving gel. I, I prefer the gel myself. I've tried them both. like the gel a lot. Uh, it's only 15 bucks for a starter kit. And if you go there right now, you go to harrys.com and use the promo code BALDMOVE, uh, all one word and all caps, you can get $5 off your order. So it's, uh, it's a really good deal to start out with because you, you get everything you need. You know, also, it's uh, they make great gifts, too. Like, if you're not they a do. person that personally shaves your face, such as myself. Uh, is it too soon to talk about Father's Day? It's coming uh, up in when June. When is Father's Day? No, June? It's like okay. that's a couple months away, but, you know, you got to plan ahead. And right. uh, dads are notoriously hard to shop for. But if, if your dad is scraping the hair off his face on a daily basis, as you can do a lot do. worse than a Harry's starter package. Yeah, also, absolutely. maybe this is another controversial uh, uh, comment. Uh there, if, if, if I know there's a lot of ladies out there unsatisfied with their shave. Oh, these are German engineered blades. I yeah. suspect they would do as good a job removing hair from armpits and legs as they do faces. You have to imagine, yeah. But I, I, I could think, be wrong. I don't think they they discriminate on the type of hair they shave. No, like uh, hair is a hair to, to yeah. Harry's. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're all equally. It's all stubbles equal. I feel like I've come up with a new slogan for Harry's. A hair's a hair. It's just Harry's. It's all stubble to us. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, yeah, like I said, go to harrys.com, use promo code BALDMOVE, all one word, all caps, and uh, you get $5 off your first order. Okay. Should we get to feedback? Yes. And then I actually have a lot to say about the spoilers section. Oh, okay. Well, I have a couple of emails for that, too. so. So, here's what I really like about our audience. Uh, for this podcast, they much like the show will flip flop on it when it's <laughs> sure when it's good. It's good when it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. And I, I like that. Right. Yeah. Like call it like you see it and, and give the show credit where credit's due. I think it's only fair. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear cause I wasn't sure. I knew from the forums that there was a few grumblings, but mostly it's an incredibly positive experience. And I'm, yep. I kind of just, like I said, I'm glad I didn't lose the ability. I'm glad other people didn't either. Exactly. Uh, and there there are a couple grumblings and feedback as well. Which is fair. But, this wasn't a perfect episode. Exactly. But if every episode of Walking Dead was like this, this would be a completely different podcast. Yeah. Uh, so I want to go first to last week's episode with a, a single email, or a couple of emails about about how it all went down. Do it. Um, JF 
says, I'm interested to know why you didn't comment on how we see Carol's effect on Sam in his last minutes. Uh, we've paid a lot of attention to ethics of what Morgan did in keeping the wolf alive, but in this episode we were shown where Car- uh, Carol's threats and hard and nasty approach with the child lead to, namely, causing the death of three people and Carl's losing of an eye. Whereas Morgan's decision led to the wolf sacrificing himself for Denise, although this was through the wolf's own fault for dragging her out there in the first place, of course, but which character's actions actually caused the most real harm? In the end, in this circumstances, Carol's did. That's a strong take. Uh, that is a fair point, but that's a lot like... Uh, <laughs> I want to say law of averages. This episode has me saying law of averages on everything. Uh, it just as easily could have gone the other way, right? Hmm. Like, with hindsight, of course, we can always point to something and say, well, this worked out for our benefit. So you're saying you that it's just as likely that, that he would have kept his mouth shut and gone catatonic as what he did do? Like what are you or just straight there? up killed Denise, right? He's a lunatic. He's left alone with a woman at, at knife point. Oh, oh, uh, oh, oh. I thought you were talking about... Because uh, I think that same thing works for Carol, too. Like, her bullying yeah. him might have kept him, like, in a weird way in line to get through the zombies, whereas if you know, he had been coddled his whole life, he loses his shit. It, you know, it's like... it's it's it, it does seem like only in the benefit of hindsight. Now, we'll say that... Uh, these are things that we shot, should have probably analyzed, but I, yeah. I was just really over last week's episode. I Me come too. back from the break and I get this shit sandwich and I'm not going to lie. The worst, the episode, probably the worst, my quality of analysis is because I just, I, I, you know, I try, you don't, I, you don't, I, you don't want I, to put I, that much process, thought into it. My process is the same, but I can't summon the fire, you yeah. know? That 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 you do when you get a really good episode. That's that's a joy to rewatch and and watch again. Absolutely. I mean, I'd watch this episode three times. I did it the live watch, that I did my note taking watch, and then as I was doing research, I threw it on again in the background, and because it's it was a really fun episode. In fact, by the last time I watched it, I re I really enjoyed the whole chase aspect, which I think you were thought was corny. The I, th- I, scene, yeah. I thought it was really like I think like nope, this is intentional comedy, and I'm kind of digging it. I'm kind of digging it. Okay, I just the, these are two good old boys trying to catch a grease pig, and that tickled me. You're to- you're absolutely right. That scene sure. was meant to be funny. I get it. I just the. This show has me whiplash so hard episode to episode with both the quality and the tone, and it's all over the map. You know, the show. other thing is I wonder if this was not a feel-good episode otherwise. Like, if you take out uh-huh. the Rashon and the, and the Enid and Carl, the McCar- and... McCarl um, that made me feel so good that, like, that there wasn't oh. a big tonal shift. Like, if they had this farcical chase... In the middle of an otherwise dreary, someone dying, crazy stuff happened episode, it might have been like, oh, f- what the fuck are they doing? Totally. But the the whole uh, the whole feel and energy of this episode was kind of a jazzed up, feel good, everyone's having a good time, mm. and and like I feel like that maybe even the people in The Walking Dead knew this was going to be well received because it seems like they had the from the interviews that they've been waiting for this to happen that maybe that even infected the the way they approached the episode and uh-huh. what they brought to it, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to get that's, people. I, we've in been a saying that, like, to... if you if you want to sell goofy shit, your level of execution and overall other aspects of excellence. If you know, if, if you want to 
If you want to be successful, then be successful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's what Tony Robbins says anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I I do agree with JF, but only with, you know, the benefit of hindsight. And I think if the show pursues that angle a little bit and yeah. and Carol and Morgan have that conversation, I know they've kind of had similar conversations but that's the thing. Like when they start talking, they're I'm, talking past each other, and I'm tuning too. them out because I'm so fucking tired of it. Right. But now I feel like they've both had their moments where they've recognized, look, my way is not perfect, his way is not perfect, her way is not perfect, whatever. They they can now come together and maybe have an honest talk about this to figure out where they can meet in the middle. Because I I don't know. Carol still says she probably should have killed Morgan. Yeah. But I. Does that mean she would now kill Morgan? Or does I that mean know. that... I, it's like the Gandalf-Frodo thing. It's like, you know, there's a lot of people deserve death, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of people deserve life. Can you give it to them? You right. know? I I also think, you know, because I've said Mia culpa about the analysis and what on a podcast, but I also want to say, don't you think the show has some responsibility to raise that issue as well? Like, that's an yeah, issue that, I, that that's something on the table. They right. could have fucking gone there. Well, I feel like but they, they either might or they did and we didn't notice it. Like, well, the two-month jump, that's why I'm saying that's the big missed opportunity, especially that feedback. Like, I think there was room for both of them to be chasing. By, by maybe mm-hmm. a third party come in and be like, except for the problem with Carol is that she would have to confess this because this thing that she did with Sam was between her and him. And it that's was, right. yeah. you know, very secret, uh you know, uncomfortably so. Um, whereas mm-hmm. the Morgan thing was this public embarrassment. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe maybe Carol will forgive Morgan in the context of no one knows this, but this is what I did to Sam, and then Sam died, and Carl got his eye showed out, and I've never I've thought every night since how much of what I did for truly. I mean, that's the thing. Like this, Carol did that for paranoid reasons too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. So I guess that they could still redeem that. They could. They could have a conversation because we clearly didn't see everybody in this episode. Sure. So maybe we'll get there. Uh, talking one more one more time about this uh, last episode. Vitan Vaton, I don't know Thetans, uh says the Michonne actress said the Michonne actress Denai Guerrero. Or if you're Chris Harwood, Guerrero. Guerrero. I don't know how he pronounced it, but it was. Hey, I've done that. Like, I'm halfway through the word. I'm like, I don't know how this ends. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. You know? I bet he does. I bet when you sit on a couch with a woman, she will probably tell you how to pronounce her name. I know, but I'm saying in a minute. That's the thing. on live. He's That's live, too, right? Yeah. That's a live yeah, show. Maybe he. That's the thing. Everyone's just... like, Aaron's a fucking idiot. Yes, I am. <laughs> but also try doing this. Right. For thousands and thousands of hours, and uh, it's, I bet it's you're surprised how many times you you sound like an idiot. Uh, yeah, so I'll just say deny because I know that's how you pronounce it. Uh, said it's that Guerrera. I've heard her pronounce her own day. It's Guerrera, right? She doesn't roll her R's or anything. <laughs> I don't know, man. Chris okay. Hardwick has me confused. Uh, deny said that this she, is he just too- made animal noise. He got Gur and then just continued the animal noises. <laughs> There's a donkey in there yeah. somewhere. There's a fit. He got the demon. So, let me try and get through this very, very short email. <laughs> Denai said this was two months after Carl's money shot. Why wasn't this the mid-season premiere? And that 
is right on, right fucking on. Yep, that's rolling the criticism from last week forward. Yes, you're, yeah, you're, this would have been a really solid season premiere. Can you even imagine? And that would have been a really solid, solid season, season finale. finale. Like you go out with Carl saying yeah. "Dad, Dad," and his eyes shot out. People yeah. are losing their fucking minds. Yeah, at the end of the season versus. We come back to that. It's so weird. I mean, there have been like, oh, I can't. That's a false cliffhanger, and et cetera, et cetera. But... And then jumping forward, people might not have liked that. But no, I right can't imagine anyone are bitching as much as like last week over. Right, that. it's really weird. Really weird that that wasn't the finale. Yeah, mid season finale. Oh well. Oh well. All right, let's move on to this episode. Jake A says, I "Have to say, I had high hopes in the beginning of this episode. I was hoping they would sprinkle in a few lighthearted moments from time to time." But this turned into a screwball buddy comedy. But I have to say, the episode redeemed itself with how cool Jesus was, and of course, Rashone. Yeah. Felt like a true romantic moment that felt real. Gonna be sad when the writers screw this up. <laughs> so Jake, <laughs> Jake is given a momentary props, but inevitably they'll screw it up is what he thinks. Uh, I don't totally disagree. And I don't know, I'm not sure that I'm totally on board with the idea that a screwball buddy comedy couple of moments of that is a bad thing no i, I really enjoyed that no I, the, the, what do we love on the game of thrones the traveling road shows oh that's true you get yeah. two characters and you bounce them off each other that's always a good time have some banter have yeah some lines, some yeah good lines in there yeah. i i i feel like if if that's the thing all the road shows to this point have been fucking bummers yeah you know throw some throw some personality into them and you might have something you know what would be an awesome road show that? Eugene and Tara. Hmm. Can you imagine him just slowly get, like driving her insane, and she finally has to like level with him? Uh huh. And then maybe he'd actually get some personal growth because that seems like the only thing that mo- motivates him is be- being berated. Yeah, yeah, but he—it's weird because he seems to have that the, that knowledge about the outside perspective of who he is, and yet he does nothing to adjust. Right? Yeah. No, they're playing Eugene as very. Uh, less of a, a social chameleon disguise and more of just straight up autistic. Yeah, yeah, they are. Which I'm okay with. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's, that's an interesting take on the character. Sure, even if it's not 100 percent faithful to whatever the comic was. Sure, whatnot. Anyway, Johnny in Virginia says, "I felt this was one of the best Walking episodes, uh, Walking Dead episodes ever." He he puts a question mark in there. Hmm. Action, laughs, showing us instead of telling us, Jesus, and Rashawn. I mean, well, there's been some good ones. There's a lot in season one. Uh, there was the, I, I remember the season five, mid-season five premiere? The one where Carol busted him out I of mean, Terminus. I mean, Clear is another Yeah, there, there's, there's been some, some good ones. But, I mean, mm-hmm. as far as enjoyable entertainment, mm. you know, having a break from the misery porn was nice. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, he goes on, and this is some of the stuff I really want to talk about here. Among the standout scenes was Michonne and Carl's debriefing after the forest. The look on Michonne's face when Carl implies that she qualifies as family was yep. perfectly done, powerful, and makes sense given what we know about her character's past. I think we talked a lot about that in the oh, recap. Absolutely, but, yeah. But yeah, he's he's right on. That, that was great. Uh, he also thought it was totally realistic how Rick and Michonne gloss over the day's events. He says his wife and he are both teachers, and they do that. Because sure. they deal with the exact same shit. They they don't even talk about the specific things. Uh, one thing he doesn't quite get, how would Deanna be a walker? Wouldn't she be ripped apart from the walkers that closed in on her? 
Even if she became a walker, how does she escape being killed by the Alexandrians over all this time? Well, how about, I mean, the, that show plays fast because, like, the wolf got shot, tackled walkers, clearly went down screaming, mm-hmm. and yet he's an intact zombie by the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you'd think he'd get the Lori treatment. He'd just be a bulge in some zombie's belly, but no. Well, so. I imagine it's tough. But you're yeah, right. I mean, it's tough to eat a brain, right? So the brain is the thing that reanimates you. Like, but yeah, if you but he eat wasn't off skeletonized, limbs, or he didn't have like half his face ripped off, right? Because I mean, they have to have him recognizably the character, right? Sure. But you're right. That's something that we didn't talk about. It is a load of horseshit that Zombie Deanna stumbled down the staircase, out the front out the door, doors, through the horde, which was focused on killing everyone at the time, right? Like, yeah, and, and, wasn't and drawn to the fire by Daryl shooting fire, an RPG. Wasn't rounded up as a scatter. Like it, it, it's insane. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. So, and but, honestly, I don't. But like, like uh, Johnny says, he's willing to overlook that because the rest of the episode was so awesome. And that's the thing. Like, I didn't care about the Spencer angle of that at all. At yeah, all, yeah, yeah. I don't give a shit about Spencer. But it did <laughs> enable that nice scene between uh, Carl and and Michonne. So I'll yep. allow it. <laughs> Uh, Mark just echoes the the number one priority: get the damn truck home with all the food, then check out the farm. I agree, I agree. Uh, Jay says, just wanted to say I thought this episode was pretty good by Walking Dead standards, but a couple of points about the episode annoyed me. So, a little dissent here, uh, and this may be. I might even agree with him. I don't know. Oh, okay, here we go. First of all, the whole letting people in thing is getting tiresome now. I'm bored of all the flip flopping that's happening from Rick, Daryl, etc. Yep. Hopefully, the show will end, or hopefully, this not the show will end. Hopefully, this will end now, but I highly doubt it. I mean, how many times have we hoped before on this show? Well, I, I feel like that from here on out, Rick cannot flip flop on this new world. Oh and my it's god! Worth build, it's worth cooperating. It's worth building. It's worth fighting for. And I will tolerate one more Daryl flip flop to get him back on the side of Alexandria. But if Rick goes, if Rick goes to fuck the world, I don't care yep. if Michonne dies. I don't care if Carl dies. I don't care if Judith dies. Like, All at once, at the same time, he can. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's he's still human. <laughs> he can only take so much. But like this, they've they've. I mean, and they've done this before. He's had so many other transformative moments. Farmer Rick, all that bullshit. But like, yep. seriously, enough enough this right. is a new goddamn chapter it's not that there's nothing that couldn't change this guy back it's that we don't want to see it again yeah it's this is a, at the end of the day a and tv I, show I, and he could but like i don't have faith that they would be able to do the pay i mean again they did it with rick and michonne's relationship arc mm-hmm. but i'm really struggling and they also did a beautiful job with carol they've done some long form transformative characters they've done a good job with daryl I guess everyone right. has fucking had the good fortune to stick around for six seasons. They've not done a bad job with. But I don't know that I've got the patience for a four to five season transformation of Rick into a, back to a crazy person again. Yeah. Okay. So. I, I'm with you. I don't really want to see that. Uh, secondly, he says, I didn't like the whole speech between Carl and Michonne. I wow. Mean, he says he got what he needed. uh from what happened out in the woods when when Carl didn't kill Deanna, he understood that. You didn't, did. Didn't feel the need for a speech to wrap it up or but, have it But be Michonne less didn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess my disagreement there is yeah, like yeah. Michonne needed it, and also that was telling you something about her status in the family, not so much Carl's worldview about zombie relatives. Right, right. That conversation wasn't to tell us why Carl did what he did. Yeah. 
but to tell us you're right, that how was... he feels about Michonne and how Michonne now is going to feel about everyone else and Carl especially. And that, I thought it was pretty delicate construction. The yeah. scene at the beginning, her conversation with Spencer, her conversation with Carl, and then getting down to business with Rick. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Alice in the UK says, and I want to preface this by saying she's watching backwards from season six. What? So, so when she talks about some of this stuff, this she's like, shit. What's going yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, did I say Alice? I meant Christopher Nolan in the UK. Are we the voice on the telephone in the black and white segment that she's having a conversation <laughs> with? What's going on? Uh, she just, she watched season one and she said, fuck this show. And then she just got back into it. And now she's watching back. I don't know why she chose to go backwards, but she did. She uh, says, what the fuck? Why I, did, is- I did that with, uh, what show? I know. I, I think I did that with True Blood. Uh, and I, know, yeah, I, I think, think I did, did. I did another one where I went backwards. Uh, well, Always Sunny, but who gives a shit? Right. That has right. no real... I mean, yeah, there's some, some things with but... Crickety Ricket or whatever that I'm like, what the fuck? But... <laughs> right. He looks like a crazy And also, also Frank got progressively more sane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like the anti-Homer Simpson, if you watch it backwards. Uh, so Alice says, what the fuck? Why is there such hatred for Carol? And I, I didn't realize there was a yeah, ton of hatred for Carol. This is the wrong but, shop to preach Carol hatred. Right. She says any other character who acts on his or her own moral code doesn't get shit on like this. Take Rick, for example. He also killed a child, sort of. He acts with impunity, makes unilateral decisions, often to the detriment of the group. Carol committed her supposed trans- transgressions to protect her people. She didn't shy away from the work because it was tough. She killed a child, sure, but one that was about to kill baby Judith and who had already killed Mika and was purposefully attracting walkers everywhere she went. Um, I, I've heard she killed two sick people in the prison. Yes. I'm only partway through that part of the series, but I'm assuming this is the sickness that leads people to become zombies. No. Well, it, yeah, sure, but it doesn't start there, obviously. Uh, and yeah, she frightened Sam to keep him quiet, but she didn't do this for no reason. She was protecting her group and the secret of the guns. She didn't do anything more serious than tell a kid a boogeyman story, the best one she had for a kid who's never been outside the walls, and I have no reason to believe she'd ever actually make good on the threat, tie him to a tree, and let the walkers eat him. What I believe is happening in her mind is that she has had some cruel luck concerning kids losing her own, losing Mika, and having to take care of the problem with Lizzie. Now Sam wants to latch on to her, and I think she feels like she can't have another child close to her. It's too hurtful and dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think about that? I mean, I don't... That she's taking a lot of shit unjustly. I don't know, because I feel like we've been pretty fair and balanced in her with her character arc. Right, and I can't tell if she's talking about Be- because the that... show give, blowing her shit, because I don't feel like it really has much, except for Morgan. Well, and also, her, you know, we talked about... I was honestly outraged that Rick banished her. You know, that was the thing. Like, I tried yes. to be not hypocritical about it, and like... Yes, Carol, you know, you have a council. Mm-hmm. You have all gotten together and tried to reboot civilization, and then you go and do whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. But then Rick did the same goddamn thing when he banished her. And we called that out on the show. Yes. So I feel like, you know, uh, people, characters can do whatever you want to do. And I, like sometimes when we criticize, I'm not saying, like, this is terrible television. Mm-hmm. I'm actually just criticizing what I think the characters are doing. Right. Like, the same way I would talk about politics or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like, I... I, I don't feel like it's a point she has with the with the I don't know 
I, certainly, I don't feel like it's a point she has with our podcast. Maybe she does. Yeah, it might be the community or, in general I guess or just, just Morgan. The way we're know. bitching about her and Morgan, if you weren't along the ride to hear everything we said about the prison right. sickness arc, yeah, might yeah. seem harsh. But I feel like if you view it through that lens, we've got a pretty pretty balanced view of Carol and her arc. And I'm broadly pro-Carol. And like all the things she did made yeah. sense for her character. And for the record, I loved seeing her threaten Sam. It was awesome. I thought it was freaking amazing. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. And I, that, I don't... Yeah, I don't mind that stuff. I don't mind it at all. I thought that was interesting television. And that's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. characters can do dumb, stupid, bad things as long as it's interesting and not repetitive. Sure. People in the real world and characters on TV can make bad decisions. Sure. Happens. Uh, Daniel E. says, just a quick email, right at the end of episode 10, which is this one, we see both Rick and Michonne lying in bed before Jesus wakes wakes them up asking to talk. Mm-hmm. My question is this, how many houses do you think he broke into before finding Rick's? <laughs> I would have loved to have been there when he opened Gabriel's bedroom door introducing himself <laughs> as Jesus. Gabriel's all groggy. <laughs> What's happening? Jesus! <laughs> I can see it now. Because you know he went to bed praying for the Lord to reveal himself and for his purpose. And think, right. Yeah. Right. Oh, man, that would be hilarious. Yep. Uh, he says hell, it. I mean, maybe he's got like the he's like got predator vision or something. Yeah, the other thing is, Jesus, Rick left you a note saying they'll talk soon. Mm-hmm. What the hell is this breaking into his bedroom to a guy that... So he could be breaking in to warn him of something bad that's about that's about to happen imminently, right? Okay, that's a that's a that's a that's a decent take. Sure. Uh, what else could he be doing? If this is just him just trying to, to talk, sneak a peek, like Rick was going to see you in the morning, dude. You break into his house with his python uh, and his gun <laughs> and right, Mich- right, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and Michonne's sword. Like, I don't know. It might be slightly and her sheath. Over. Are we gonna go? Are we gonna just go all out on the jokes? Is that what's gonna happen? Uh, I yeah, I feel like that maybe they're overplaying the Jesus hand a bit. Okay, they they did a good job. If this is in fact what they tended, they uh, set out to do. They intended is they did a really good job making him seem like a fucking magician. Mm-hmm. Like nothing can keep him sure. captive. Like he's. A real badass when it comes to escaping. But getting out of the ropes and onto the truck <laughs> in the space that it took Carl or she's Rick and Daryl to, to bug yeah, out. Spin some keys on his finger. Yeah, that all that already kind of sold me on it. If I, I hope he has yeah. something more important to say than just say, hey, we need to talk. Right. I got some shit I need to t- tell you. Like, that was already going to be handled, man. Indeed. So, whatever. All right, Shelby S. says, do you guys have any thoughts on the kite that Enid picked up? I guess we kind of talked about this. thought it was a balloon, but... Yeah, she was wondering if it symbolized anything. She says, perhaps it does, but I have no idea what. Well, I mean, Enid told you to plain reading, which is it means they're not alone, which seems like that is a potentially positive thing with Jesus, uh, because we understand that he's lying about not having a camp, right? Obviously. And also a scary thing when it comes to Negan's guys. So that's like a, you know, a, a double-edged sword there. Right. But also, we know they're not alone because of Jesus and the Negan guys. So uh-huh. 
So does the does the balloon have more? I don't know. I'm meaning. I'm not. I, I didn't read anything. I, 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 I admit maybe it's what would it be cool if she does like some kind of bloodhound gang bullshit where she rubs lemon juice on it and holds it over a light bulb and oh my god the writing's you know does that work with actual ink? I, I, I don't I mean, know. I, I can't. There's some kind of invisible ink thing. Yeah, or like yeah. Maybe she just lightly rubs it with a charcoal pencil and she can see, what, you know, what the indentations on the paper. Like, it, yeah, maybe. Would there be... Like is a there, big Lebowski Is there deal? room in The Walking Dead for, like, a Lost-style mystery that might span a season or two? Like, the slow breadcrumbs that lead to something big. Uh, because that's the only thing. As long as they can do something else, because that was the thing with Lost. There were so many mysteries. Yeah, well, sure. They always had a mission to go on. They always had something to do. And can they also they... had no idea where they're building to. I'm assuming that Kirkman and company and Gimple would, would have something they're building to. But, yeah, symbolically, it just seems like it's what Enid said it was. Okay. Uh, moving on, Drew. He seems to think that we know something about Hollywood and contracts. I don't know if you do, but... I'm going to ask I've you talked this. about it, yeah. I know, very briefly. Um, he says, as the closest thing to Hollywood insiders, perhaps you can... <laughs> that's not definitely not true. I listen to Alan's Up and Walls podcast. <laughs> that's my qualification. Uh, he says, perhaps you can tell me if a Walking Dead episode only features three to four actors, does that mean nobody else gets paid that week, even if they are major stars of the program? Also, what is the difference in the credits when an actor is listed as starring or featuring versus some other designation. Is that a contract or SAG requirement? Well, so that's all... It is. It's all incredibly complicated. It is all tied up to compensation. It's also a prestige thing, and it's also something that's negotiated, Mm -hmm. and it's it's relevant for award purposes. Like, wasn't Norman Reedus listed as a guest star... I think like, in the first season, in the first season yeah. which is why he had a, a automatic one year. It's 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 the same thing of in a, like college when you have a red shirt. Uh, what would they call it? A, a red shirt freshman, which means he's essentially a sophomore, but he didn't play for his first year. Hmm. I mean, there's there's okay. like all kinds of games that they can play, and that's the thing. Like I can't tell you a particular meaning it has because there's tons of meaning in it, but you'd have to know the individual actor and and whatnot. But yeah, like how many. Um, it's, it's, it's can be used if another actor, they're sharing him with another show. Mm-hmm. So they can do these bottle episodes to make shoot around someone's schedule. Uh, it also, I think is, is how it's tied in their like compensation because, you know, there's specific, this is all unionized stuff. There's formulas and rules. Yeah. Um, I'm sure next week we'll have someone to probably illuminate more, but yeah, I mean, I can't tell you precisely what it means, but yes, it does mean. And like the other thing that you can keep in mind, this is according to some professional critics I've read, uh, is that like most series start off like from a pilot, like with a five year contract. Mm-hmm. So it's at the five year mark where, you know, if a show is a hit where some friction can start showing up with the actors because they're negotiating different deals and who's the, who's the star to get the big money and who's not like, so it seems yeah. like the walking dead's a fairly harmonious crew, but that's also probably because everyone could be killed at any time outside of like Andrew Lincoln. I was going to say, An- I bet Riggs. Andrew Lincoln is making more money than the rest of them. A, he was a much bigger star when he started. Yes. And B, he's the most important character in the show. Yeah, I would think. Well, I mean, there was a lot of Andrew Lincoln-sized stars on the show from the beginning. I mean, Norman Reedus was kind of an Andrew Lincoln-sized star, but that's, that's arguable. I'll give you it. I'll give it to you though. But he wasn't. You know, Andrew Lincoln was the only one that was in every episode in season one. Yeah. So I think that yes, there's definitely 
again, I can't tell you specifically what all these tea leaves mean, but they're all fraught with meaning and agents and commissions and right. all kinds of stuff. Okay. Ashley has some comments about uh, diversity and The Walking Dead, which is a perennial topic for this show. Okay. Uh, she says, I've been waiting for Rashawn to happen for literally three years now since the clear episode. So I could not Welcome be happier to the club. right now. Uh, and I just want to give a little credit to The Walking Dead because it's done something here that very few shows get right. The conversation about the about the lack of diversity in Hollywood is so important, and I really appreciate that this show has never shied away from it. As much flack as they get for just about everything, but especially the rate at which they kill off black male characters, The Walking Dead is still one of the most diverse shows on television. Characters of various races, sexual orientations, strong women and weak men, all shapes and sizes and complexions. It's really nice to see one of the biggest shows in the world uh, on one of the biggest shows in the world, and I think it's a big reason for their success. As for Rick and Michonne, I definitely... That's probably true. That's probably true, yeah. I mean, you know, there's the old saying, you can't be all things to to all people, but... No, but there's a face on this show that speaks to everyone. Like, you, if, I don't, whatever you grew up, whatever your religious affiliation, whatever your sexual orientation, whatever your race... I mean, maybe the only thing associated like, like there's no rich or poor people. I mean, everybody's like fucking prehistoric. But the levels zombie of apocalypse war. is the great equalizer. That's what I'm saying. So like, as far yeah, as class goes, like even age. Uh-huh. There's there's old there's there's older people that are badasses. There's younger people that are badasses. Like it's really cast a wide net, and it's fucking 17 million people watch it. Yeah, I don't doubt that's part of the reason. Doesn't turn anyone away. Uh, she goes on. As for Rick and Michonne, I definitely thought the relationship would happen eventually. But as a black woman, there's always that seed of doubt in the back of your mind that they'll be treated, uh, that will be treated well in narratives like this. So often, especially when the star of the show is a white male, we're relegated to the sidekick, the funny best friend, the strong, independent woman who doesn't need a man. Mm-hmm. And when Jesse came along, a significantly less interesting, less suitable partner Amen. for this version of Rick, I thought, here we go again. I was, I, I mean, I was super worried about that last last week. Yeah, I mean, we we talked pretty extensively about yeah. what does this do for Rick and Michonne if like Jesse that, like, and him get together. It would be like this show to carefully construct this relationship and be like, nah, fuck it. Go for another blonde. Uh, but no, her time with Rick was more of a rebound period, a seg into the idea of living again instead of just surviving, and probably the reason he could be so open with Michonne. You know, that's a really good point. The lens of Jesse's the rebound. Like, this yeah. is the first person he was intimate with outside of Lori... Yep. And that that kind of got those juices flowing again, so that when she died, then Michonne was the ob- you know this oh it's it's obvious right huh all right cleared his eyes a little bit uh, so I applaud Gimple and company for taking that leap of faith and letting the story play out exactly the way it needed to. I thank them for breaking the stereotype and letting Michonne be fierce, vulnerable, desirable, motherly, hopeful, and everything else. Representation matters, and I feel as though The Walking Dead is one of the few shows that understands that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with her. They're you know, for all the other shit we blow it about its structure and pacing and all that stuff. Uh-huh. They're doing a really good job with that. And I do so. think that's been a deliberate thing that they've tried to do from about season three on. Because they did catch a lot of shit. And they sometimes I, I still think they step in it a bit because it's like, oh, shit, we need to do these beats with these characters. And we haven't really served them. And, yeah. you know, there was little rumblings of the whole how lethal, how, how lethal it is to be a black man in the Walking Dead universe, you know. What with uh, absolutely Tyrese, I mean, everybody, and Bob, Bob T Dog, yeah. like just so many of them. 
but no, I I think you're, and that's also I think that you have to. I also blows them shit on some of the creative side. But if you look at the act, if you look at the directors, you look at the writers. There's also a lot of diversity there too. Yeah, that's true. From gender and and racial perspective, so mm-hmm. that stuff pays off dividends, for sure. Uh, Barry C from the UK says, "Not a very exciting episode, but a useful one. There were a lot of potentially tedious plot points that were economically progressed with the time jump." Rick is chilled out. Daryl has got more paranoid. Carl is fine. The wall is being built again. Denise is sweet on fist bump. Spencer and Edith are slowly feeling a sense of belonging in the group. Michonne appears to have forgiven herself for the child stab plus I lost combo. Rick and Michonne, oh yeah. Mm. While it has a lot of issues, the one thing that always gets my goat with The Walking Dead is the passage of time. Whole series sometimes span a few days. And while uh, I think when he says series, he means, he, you know, he's from the UK, so he means season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the while, Car- Carl gets taller and taller. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this episode was dull, but welcome. I didn't really think it was dull, but okay. He said he says what? Uh, well, he says W T W D T Y, which I think he meant. What do you think? And he said, "What do you think you?" Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, it's uh, or maybe are we down the fuck? And there's no F in there. <laughs> I thought you said W W D T F. <laughs> what no, do you he think? said WWJJF. No, uh, what would Jesus fuck? I don't add, I, yeah, I don't agree that it was boring, but um I don't know. I was actually daydreaming about uh I was continuing to meditate while I was listening to you read the email about <laughs> you know, we blow Gimp a lot of shit. And right. and I'm I go to hear people rolling their eyes like, Oh my god, they had one good episode and now all's forgiven. No, no, not for me. But I I try to I try to I try to as much as I judge, I also try to understand. Right. I'm thinking like season three of the X Files, Chris Carter gets fired and they flip the keys to Vince Gilligan. Beautiful, wonderful. Is it? I think so. Or did he need those reps as a writer and then a, a story editor and then you know progressing up the the the, the, the writing room to then do Breaking Bad? Like, right. Whereas Scott Gimple, he is in that position, and he's literally learning on the job. And it's not an easy job. If it was, we'd have a lot, you know, we'd have a, a shit ton more good TV. Well, I mean, we kind of are drowning in it now, now yeah. because that's because a lot of people have gotten the reps and, uh-huh. you know, whatnot. But so, I, again, what would, you know, it's the X-Files end up being a clusterfuck anyway. Yeah, that's what I mean. Seasons. And that's, that's, I'm speaking from, you know, with hindsight here. Yeah. I think X-Files might have been better off with Vince Gilligan at the helm, season right. four. I, I don't know. I hear season four is pretty good. Oh, yeah. I the just, future ones were not, and so. I don't know. I, I just sometimes wonder, like, yeah, I will still criticize them for decisions they make and for some of the stupid stuff they do, but I also understand, you know, what it's like. I, I think I understand what a position he's in, especially when you're dealing with a creator who has got a strong influence, who is also inexperienced and maybe a bit of an asshole, and, and Robert mm. Kirkman. Huh. And you've also got the studio suits that are squeezing you for every dime. Yeah. That is not, you know, creative nirvana there. Sure. I, sure. It's, it's reasons, not excuses. Right. But I, I do try to understand where he's coming from. Okay. Well, that's it. That's all the feedback we have. All right. Well, we still got spoilers. We do. I got some things to ponder. Yeah. So there'll be a little bit of music, and then we're going to go right into the spoiler section. So for people who don't want to hear that, they can tune out. Uh, can they contact us anywhere if they want to get their feedback in? I suppose. Watching Dead at BaldMove.com is where you'd send a long-form email. And there's we also have the weekly threads on the forums. Uh, 
at uh, forums.baldmove.com if you want to get in your feedback. I mean, we don't really use that for feedback. It's more just discussion with with me and and the gym and the uh, the rest of the fellow fans. Yeah. I, I don't I don't mind the face the forums or Facebook or anything for feedback. There's just yeah, it's, it's like, all email. If you want to get I'm I'm you got stuck a high volume you're going to get a high volume spigot like the email feed. It's it's easy. It's true. We moved the show up a day and I'm still getting nine nine plus pages sure. of yeah. feedback it's, and we're only two episodes crazy. in man yeah <laughs> uh all right so that's it for the episode see all the spoiler people after the music until then i'm jim i'm aaron see you back with the spoiler section holy moly this is a long podcast yeah it is i have a couple of emails but i want to talk about actually, some things i, up I front. only have one email okay well i got some, some things so okay. you know some of this is a little bit of looking ahead to my fuzzy comic memory some of this is piecing together things i've learned in the last two episodes uh the first thing i want to talk about is tara and heath going on a two-week run where are they going well i mean i i, I talked about the boogeyman which is the dreaded Two episode, the three episode arc of two characters we don't really know about, uh, and whether that could be a good thing or a bad thing. But we talked about in terms of uh, Negan beating the shit out of someone's head with a baseball bat. <laughs> it's been Glenn Daryl. Yeah, these guys are going to be out for a two week run. That means they're going to be ranging far and wide. They might get captured by Negan. And these are the two that show up outside the gates, and Negan actually beats the the, the brains out of one of them. Mm-hmm. Is that? And I, I I feel like that this is maybe the 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 uh, the the underrated choice. Like if you beat Tara to death, mm-hmm. that poor is, Denise, you've got Denise that you've built up this sweet kind of love story that you don't have to burn the Maggie and Glenn card and Maggie's, you know, pregnant. And there's, that's certainly beating Glenn to death would be poignant, but uh-huh. if they're scared about doing that, Tara is an underrated choice. Cause I like Tara. Tara has yeah. been for like an eye rolling, annoying, a, a stupid character to someone that I actually care about. Yep. And the fact like Denise is my new favorite character. And the fact that she's got this the squeeze on her, that would be pretty that that would that would mean a lot to me. It would. In a bad way. Yeah, yeah. It would be a real shame. Uh but yeah, I'm thinking like and the, the thing is is like this could just be a throwaway line to get the orange crush. But now, I'm I, trying to give Walking Dead more credit and <laughs> that this is actually going to be a story idea that, that that yields benefits. Yeah, giving giving that relationship meaning before the episode where they kill her, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As I've done so frequently. Uh is there any chance that I know you've talked about what's his nuts, Ezekiel or Isaac or whatever his name is up on the hill? Uh, well, he's in the kingdom. Tiger guy. Yep. Is there any chance that they they find him while they're out on their journeys? So we. Uh, so I'll talk about the next time on. Next time okay. on, Jesus says your world's about to get bigger. Yeah. I think, and that's I. I was really I, I had to suppress the inner fist bump on that because I feel like that that is confirmation that we are going to get at least the hilltop. Okay. And that's why I said in the spoiler section last week, like, I don't know that the Golden Age, this new Golden Age of Walking Dead we're heading into works unless you have the cooperation of multiple locations against. I mean, that's essentially 
you know, yeah. the League of Nations against Hitler kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and it's not going to be as poignant if it's just Rick's crew. So introducing Jesus uh, in the comics, Jesus is from Hilltop, Ezekiel's from the kingdom. Uh, the kingdom and the Hilltop are aware of each other. It'd be awesome if we got all three. Yeah. You got Alexandria, who's which is now, I forgot to mention this in the podcast, branded as the Alexandria Safe Zone. Uh, the Hilltop and the kingdom. So I don't know. I, I think getting hilltops to minimum, it'd be nice to get the kingdom. I don't know how they do the tiger. The tiger would be badass though, like <laughs> a tiger tearing through zombies. That would be freaking sweet. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, we talked a little bit about this in the main cast. Him walking in on Rick, Jesus walking in on Rick at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Jesus' group a a nefarious group are they evil are they no like what would he be saying we got to talk about i don't so know urgently i think it's just that he wants to introduce trade and that was the interesting that thing about jesus strange. is that okay uh when they first contact jesus uh rick ends up torturing him I, for information but mm-hmm. i as i mentioned with the aaron plot two seasons ago i feel like that they've already remixed that thing to bring it up so like i gotcha. don't know what they're really doing with jesus hmm. and again the comic guys i could be wrong because it's been like three years since i read this plot um so okay. i i don't know i'm 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 kind of excited to see where they go with that but no the hilltop none of these are evil they're all kind of like i it's it's a lot less risky to just give negan what they want like and negan's the kind he's not yeah. he He's certainly a parasite, but the burdens he puts on this f- communities are not. I mean, he it's in his best interest that they stay healthy and strong yeah. and able to pr- give him the tribute. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, he's he's actually a really kind of wise warlord of a leader, but he also doesn't want him to get so strong that they oppose him. Right. The other crucial thing is is that at this point in The Walking Dead, almost all the communities are out of ammo. Mm. And Rick okay. has a brief injection, and you know, like, and we've seen they're pretty stocked with ammo. Sure. And at, now, at our, at our how long will that last? That they have a big war with Negan, and like, what yeah. kind of tactics will use to fight that? I know that Negan does have bullets, but they also do a lot of, you know, bow and arrow and spears and things like it gets like Stone Age yeah. level, and that's kind of like how the other places roll. So okay. I'm kind of interested, in, and I think Jesus saying, do you guys even have ammo was interesting, because I think that, that foreshadows this plot development. It also makes me think, it, it makes that, that the, the mouth of Negan from last episode make a lot more sense the way he's kind of pussyfooting around killing these guys. Mm-hmm. He's trying to make them afraid, and look, look at all these guns. You don't know if they're loaded or not, but it wouldn't surprise me if maybe only one or two were loaded. Yeah. Which is extra funny that then he uses an RPG to just blow the hell out of Sure. Him. Which that's... I don't remember them having such an overwhelming firepower advantage. Hmm. And I'm wondering how... Because, you know, again, that's the interesting thing about the Negan plot is it, it takes Rick essentially drunk with power and self-righteousness and the belief that their unity of brotherhood and badasses can overcome all. Yeah. And just Negan wads that into a ball... And shows yeah. him how kind of helpless he is because hmm. that brotherhood can be uh, exploited because he just has to show, say, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm going to uh, beat this man to death, and if I come back and you give me a shit about this tribute, I'm going to kill every man, woman, and child in this dwelling." So chew on that, and there's shit tons more of us than there are of you. Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting. Yeah, there, there was. So I'm wondering if Jesus could also be wanting to talk about Negan. Uh, and maybe kind of warn Rick 
that yeah. he's coming because there was some discussion and I want to just chalk this up to as uh, an error, an error in filming because walking dead likes to do those sorts of things. I don't know if they like it, but they do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of talk about this car that drives up. You can see in the distance driving behind Negan's guys uh, mm. in that scene right before Daryl blows him up. Yeah. There's a car back there. Driving? Driving, driving moving. Yeah. Really? And people are saying like, oh, is it a scout? Is, is it like one of Negan's guys Interesting. there to run back and say, hey, our guys got blown up and maybe Negan's yeah. on the move now? Yeah. Uh, and potentially, I guess Jesus could be warning him about that. Yeah. If that's the case, I just think it's... It could be. They, they you know, they blocked off the road. It's like there was a, a car down a, there, There's whatever. a jet plane in Lord of the Rings in the skies. And, <laughs> exactly. And so it's like, yeah. I don't think there's 767s in Middle Earth. It's just... Continuity error. Yeah. And, and they've done that many, many times before sure. in this show. So it wouldn't surprise me, but... But it could be, that's too. That's a possibility. It could be, too. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. They're so inconsistent. You never know. Like, is this two week raid with Heath and Tara going to be portentous? Uh, or is it going to be just some random fact that is, is for a MacGuffin of an orange soda that's never used again? Who knows? Yeah. Like that happens on Breaking Bad. You know, you know, <laughs> that's going to mean something. And the question is what yep. happens on here? You don't know. The other thing I want to talk about is, so Michonne is essentially Andrea from the comics. Because in Michonne, she's actually got, in the comics, she goes through a whole lot. I mean, she, she hooks up with Morgan. She hooks up with Ezekiel. She hooks up with Tyrese. Wow. All right. She, like, plows through every eligible black man in the comic books. Huh. Um, kind of like the show. <laughs> what? <laughs> kind of like the show. It's just plowing through black men. Oh, ah. Um, yeah, but I don't, hmm. I... I, and I thought it's weird, and maybe this is a controversial statement, but I thought the Rick and Andrew relationship felt a lot more thrown together. It's almost like, hey, we're really good friends, and we're kind of like each other, got each other's back, uh, and you're a woman and I'm a man, and this would be good for Carl. And uh, at that point, I think Andrea is, is Andrea got responsible for Sophia, or is that Glenn and Maggie? Hmm. Anyway, like they, I, I thought it felt thrown together, but it did feel right after it happened. It's like okay, this this. Whereas I felt like they did a better job of building this thing with Rick and Michonne. Yeah. Um. And you know, as far as I know, Andrea is still alive. There's a couple. They, they there is a few genuine scares because between them both, where they're both worried for each other, as you'd imagine. Do you think? Because I saw a lot of people in the forums like, oh, Michonne's got a death sentence now because Rick can't die. Rick can't be happy. <laughs> but I, I, I if if it goes like in comics, I feel like The Walking Dead is capable of turning a new page where they can build these lasting relationships and get make genuine tension. Because, yeah, Rick can't die, but Michonne can die. But I'm not saying that I want them to dangle her over a pit of zombies, you know, just to get her pulse rate up every week. But that is not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. how How firm is it that Rick can't? be happy well i'm just saying that that's just the way the show's rolled okay okay and that's the way the comic rolled too like you know a lot of yeah. a lot of the criticism of the walking dead is it is essentially misery porn but i feel like this right. is where it starts like in this point like there's still g- obviously genuine menace and dread and terror coming but there's also reestablishment of society which i think is by far the more interesting part that's what i'm thinking like fight fighting for what you love right yeah. like being happy with what you have and trying to preserve it. And it felt like very much the first hundred issues of The Walking Dead were what we've seen. 
Yeah. And the next hundred issues are going to be what they're getting to, which is the the war between the you know the 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 governor kind of way to do things and the warlord way and yeah. the democratic civilized way to do things and which is more Deanna's effective. Way. Yeah, sure. So I and I'm excited for that. And you know, there's ways you can fuck it up. I'm sure, but it's a pretty it's it's a pretty solid era of the show, which. Also, unlike the prison, which was a very, you know, even though it's a much larger arc than the, the farm, it was a very small arc that they blew out way too long. We're talking about, like, I think this stuff going on now is 45 issues and counting. Yeah. So, like, they can hunker down to Alexandria and these locations for years hmm. and have a lot of stories to tell. So it's like they're kind of accidentally wandered into playing to their strengths. The 20 season show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that these are open air because it's just it, that's another weird thing in the contract that the Walking Dead stipulated they have to have so many outdoor scenes. Yeah, that's bizarre. Well, the hilltop is kind of like a you know these old, this old palisade. I think that's what you call the like the you know ring fort on a hill. Okay. So it's all outdoors. It's it's very medieval kind of in the way. Even Alexandria, you see, like they got some shots inside, but they a lot of times they're just walking around the streets. Right. So they can have these static sets that they keep around and still satisfy all their contract. Like I said, I, I mean, it, it's really seeming like maybe this will play into the show's <laughs> strengths. I don't want to get too optimistic, but... Yeah, it's been one episode. Let's not let's not get crazy su- here. Suck but... each other's popsicles too hard. But... Right. Uh, I think we talked most mostly about Dana's email here, so I'm not going to go into it. This is, we're, we're running super long anyway. She just was curious about uh, how they might, you know... Uh, who who they might kill? I think uh, she's talking about Daryl here and Glenn and I want to throw Terrace hat and read. I yeah I know Heath, we, but if they kill Heath, that's the who cares? That's, that's the that's the most cowardly move in the world. And but it's the Walking Dead move. Let's kill the black guy mm, who we barely know. Eh. Give him one episode of heroics and he's done. Eh. It's it's hey man, I just point out the pattern when I see it. Yeah, I just think that it's like more and more it feels like they can't. I, I wonder if. If if Glenn's dumpster move was a Kirkman remix attempt to pay homage to his death and the meaning it had for the fans without actually doing it, and he's going to kill Daryl, like I'm starting to feel like there's no way Glenn can die like he does in the comics. It makes a lot of sense, but boy, they really undercut that by having the fake out death last season. Yeah, so that paints a bigger target, I think, in my mind, on Daryl's back, but also the terror would be the safer alternative. It doesn't upset the status quo, but it would be undoubtedly a meaningful death. And would give Denise, who, if I'm the creative, I've seen what this actress is doing with this role and how just kind of likable she is in this nerdy, weird way, relatable. She's not, she's like a Eugene that doesn't make you want to cringe. (laughs) She's cowardly. She's got a bunch of issues that she's fighting against, but she's putting her head down. She's doing it. I've seen what she's doing this material, and it's kind of like you know what the Breaking Bad did when they had Jesse Pinkman and Aaron Paul. It's like, oh, we don't want to kill this guy off; we want to keep him around. Yeah, killing off Tara would give her a lot of stuff to do, and I don't, you know, Tara's all right, but you know, yeah. it's more yeah. of like what it would mean to Denise than how upset I am that Tara finally got killed. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So right. I, I don't know if shows in a good spot. Two episodes in. <laughs> Wouldn't have said that last episode. Might not no. say it next episode. But for no. now, for a yeah. week, they got us. They they, they won the week. Congratulations. Wow. Well, I haven't seen. I, I haven't seen Better Call Saul. I haven't seen yeah, X Files. It's, it's yeah. They, they won, won the, the week Sunday so night. far. They haven't. Seen, <laughs> we haven't seen X Files. We haven't seen uh, Better Call Saul. Uh huh. 
but so far they're winning the week. Haven't seen vinyl. Haven't seen OJ. Haven't seen Mm-mm. any of them. All right. Well, that's it. We spent far too much time in the spoiler oh, section. Speaking of, I, I will, so you probably don't know this because you're not current on the series. OJ on FX dropped an uncensored motherfucker. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about this in the the bulk of the show. Does Gimple watch that and spit out his orange juice? Like, Going, all I got that, was a reverse. The fact that he couldn't even bird. do a censored fuck. He, uh-huh. he, they they wrote her and and then I have to think that the the execs leaned on them to and censor then, it. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah. you know Breaking Bad's done the uh, muted f word. Mad Men was famous for doing the muted f word. Right. You know that this you know these these wrong people they don't know who they're fooling with. That's such a gutless line. Screw, like yeah. you think that they're seeing this happen on FX or they're they're pushing this boundary that they're like we're not even going to do the muted. We're just going to do it. Now that's a ten o'clock show versus a nine o'clock show. Mm-hmm. But I gotta wonder. Yeah, I mean, in this episode they threw in a bird, an uncensored sure. reverse well, bird. They've done that. I mean, the, the, you know him and Emily Kinney did the double bird. But when they burnt the moonshine shack a few episodes, so is is gesturing fuck you not as I think it's fine because kids don't necessarily pick that stuff up. Okay, I mean I know there's parents that have six, five, and six year olds in the room with Walking Dead, and that's fine. It's not how I roll, but Mm -hmm. you know, like there's some stuff that like kids just you know, like I watched the Triumph Election special with my son in the room just as an experiment, and the adult stuff mostly ran over his. You know, went way over his head, whereas the the broad kind of comedies he thought was really funny. And he, even though he didn't know all what all the jokes, just everybody else laughing was was a good. And the dog, fucking rubber dog, was was just funny on the face of it. So I don't know. Right. I, I I don't. I don't even know where I'm going with this. I don't either. Show's over. See you guys. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>